Hello everyone, welcome to episode 36 of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast that is so Warhammer that we could be the name of the next Warcry expansion. Who knows? <laughs> I'm your host Matt, and joining me as always, a guy so impactful that he makes the Necroquake look like a family barbecue, it's Cameron. <laughs> How you doing mate? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you very much. That's an <laughs> interesting comparison. I think I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one for the CV. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right, sir. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, not to spoil the upcoming session, got some more hobby done this time around than last time. So I'm feeling proud of that. But I also, <laughs> so Borderlands 3 came out late Thursday night for me. So it's been out for i'm gonna say 70 odd hours and i've spent about a third of that playing it so i think i've done pretty well on that front yeah i've been having a good time (laughs) my wrists are however going to be not permitted to play anymore today probably because they're they're about they're about to pop off (laughs) (laughs) no i i know exactly where you're coming from i've been playing quite a few hours of remnant uh from Ah. the ashes at the moment which is scratching that division dark souls itch as well so mm, i i get mm. that and it's it's, it's nice actually because because i've moved house finally after all these months of actually <laughs> finally sold our house and <laughs> moved I, it's been nice actually because i've got my own little sort of lounge now so i can actually go in the evening and mm, you know mm. write notes play video games watch anime i've been watching a lot yeah, of berserk recently yeah. so Ooh, it's been quite, it's, it's been quite nice sort of varying up as well so as and of course obviously devoting some time to warhammer as well so mm, mm. yeah it's uh, been a bit life-changing recently uh right okay so today's episode episode 36 uh, so obviously after we've covered covered our hobby and news sections uh the main law topic for this one as we promised i think a few episodes ago that we're basically going to revisit war cry in the sense that we're going to cover the war cry anthology novel mm-hmm. and scourge of fate which is regarding the varangard luckily we've sort of uh, divvied that up so one of us has read one one of us has read the <laughs> other um and then for the discussion topic at the end we're going to talk about aspect warriors because they're obviously very flavoursome at the moment. Yes. <laughs> so uh, before we get stuck into the main part of the show, um, as always, if you want to contact us, support the show or anything like that, all the notes are in the show notes in your podcast player of choice. So go check it out. And obviously, thank you for any recent support we've had as well. Um, also, a friend of the show, Stephen Rhodes, um, if you've follow us regularly and listen to our shows you know he's been on a couple of times uh, he reached out to us on twitter recently um and basically said hey guys i've been scouring the internet looking for city realm scenery bits i can use on bases for my flying guys because f clear mm. <laughs> plastic rods could you point me at some options or set the listener base on finding them like these hero bases cheers um so what i'll do is i will put the link to that tweet in the show notes as well so if you can help Stephen, uh, please do. He's a yeah, good lad. Help yeah. him out. <laughs> um, and uh, also talking of good lads, uh, back in the day, not long after we started, if you remember, our probably our, yeah, he would have been our very first guest, Dan, who came to mm. talk with, about 40K with us. Uh, he's going to be joining, joining us again soon in, I think, a couple of episodes' time, from memory. Yes. I think two, yeah. two episodes' time. So that would be great. So that's something mm-hmm. to look forward to as well. And as always, we'll plug our lovely, great Discord server. 
anyone is welcome to come and join. So again, the link to that will be in the show notes. And if you do come and join, you can ask us a question. And this is our episode's question. This is from Three Day Pass. If you had to choose between being immortalized as a servitor of your choice or a or a Grand Alliance Deathline troop of your choice, i.e. a Crypt Ghoul, Skeleton Warrior, etc., what yeah. would it be? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I love, mm-hmm. I love this sort of questions. <laughs> oh, that's a difficult one. Um, mm. <laughs> I know. I feel I've always been a really big fan of the servitors that are clearly just like there because someone can't be bothered to buy a typewriter. Like, you know, the ones with like the <laughs> ream of paper built into their chest. They've got quills for hands. And they clearly just spend all day scribbling the nonsense uh, announcements of a priest or whatever. I think, I think. Obviously, as a servitor, you wouldn't find it interesting, but I think that'd be a vaunted position to be in. Um, however, I think if I had my choice, I would be a death line trooper, and I would be one of the new Bonecast Eternals. Uh, Ooh, <laughs> one of the new... Good show. Yeah, because uh, they've they got those fancy skeleton constructs going on, so I could choose exactly what my... Bot- well, Nagash would choose exactly what my body looked like, <laughs> but I, I would I like to presume he would choose and know what was best for me. yeah no i like that that's a good that's a solid answer um i think i wouldn't be a servitor because uh, they're always uh, i don't know i suppose a bit mocked by everyone Mm. else in the 40k universe like every novel you read the servitors end up dying or being you know just just something bad happening to them and it you know it's not really i don't think it's a lifestyle choice i would have Mm. (laughs) to be honest so i think like you i would pick the deathline trooper i think skeleton warrior would really suit me Mm. i think at the end of the day you'd be you'd have connections to nagash and nagash is probably the one of the most interesting characters in aos you know, he's always up for shenanigans, i.e. the Necroquake, <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to happen. And I think if you want a bit more of an interesting life, mm, I think, mm. you know, he will give it. And, you know, Skeleton Warriors, they always hang around. There's always bones everywhere. Oh, so even, yeah. even if you get smashed up, you're going to come back in some sort of fashion. You're going to, mm. you know, Necromancer's going to bring you back. So, I, yeah, I, I want to go along for the Nagash ride. I think I want to, if I'm going to be immortalized and, and, uh, you know, never dying, I want to be part of Nagash's crew, I think. So yeah, Skeleton Warrior for me, I think. So yeah, that's a good question. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Right. Okay. Let's get stuck into our first section, which obviously will be the hobby stuff. And as Cameron Mm. alluded to, he's actually been doing something, which is nice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So what have you been doing recently, Cameron? Uh, Well, gods forbid I do anything after my shameful showing last week, uh, where my hobby was I had read the book (laughs) to prepare for the the new segment and basically nothing else. Um, So uh, first up, Chaos Knight Desecrator update. Uh, The sculpting is... I'm willing to say 100% done. So I haven't gotten around to priming the last two pieces, but once I've primed the last two pieces, all that's left is painting, and that is a good feeling. Uh, so in this case, I sort of sculpted some tendrils slash tentacles holding the, the top hatch open slash shut a little bit, and I just did some more fleshy detail on the uh, the left arm I built to hold the rifle while it's, hold, while it's standing up. Um I haven't really done any more painting on it because, 
Oh, that's a, it's just a thing to unpack at this point. I feel, I feel <laughs> this is what happened with the last Chaos Knight in retrospect is I got it all together. I got to the point where I could start painting it. I put it down and I just looked at it in its box and went, there's a lot of work just to get it up and out on the table. <laughs> I might leave that red. However, I'm not going to fall prey to the same thing. It will be done sometime soon. And you'll hear all about it, I'm sure, uh, once that happens, because I'll be very happy with it. Um, mm-hmm. However, I jumped the gun a little, uh, and I also... So, like, the, th- the thing about a Night Desecrator is they're not the best option in the Codex. And Sorry. people people know this. It is known, uh, even though I plan to give mine the sweet relic with extra strength and a flat three shots and everything. It's still not, still not that great. Unless you actually use their abilities to the fullest and use them to buff up a bunch of Armagers or War Dogs for Chaos Knights. So I bought a box of Armager Hellfriends, uh, yes. and I have begun, <laughs> I've begun the process of their fall into Chaos. Uh, so I have one, I'm honestly more or less completely built. Like there's a few armor panels I haven't snipped out of the sprue, but that's about it. Um, and for this first one, I wanted to go with it being a disciple or a follower or a blood relative of the pilot of my first Chaos Knight, the uh, the mm. Rotten Nest. Uh, so I've given it sort of the same theme. I had some of those spare branches uh, sticking around in my bits box, so it's got a few bursting out of the top hole. Uh, it has, uh, let me see, what was it? The, the, the full-sized Chaos Knight for its piece of like heraldry in the, uh, in the loin area. It had a plague bearer banner in the shape of the fly uh this one has a plague marine banner in the shape of the fly and it's pretty much exactly the same symbol just like really scaled down uh so it actually quite works uh and then the the kicker is i sculpted like a little tentacle trunk looking mouth thing for the chaos knight and this armager has a plague drone head with the trunk cut down to be shorter so it's sort of still evoking that same thing um it it currently only has the auto cannons options, but I have magnetized the arms, and I've begun. Uh, I would call it the process of uh, proxying slash kit bashing the Forge World weapon options because I really like the Forge World weapon options. Um, <laughs> so I have the it's the plasma cannons from a Mauler fiend, uh, not a Forge fiend rather, uh, and I've got one of those. One of them is magnetized, and I'm just going to build a little rim for the arm to plug into on that. And I think that'll be a good. Uh, it, it'll read easily as like the Vulkite Culverin. I think it is one of the one of the Moirax options can take. Um, and then getting a little more demonic and weird, uh, I have the the Plague Reaper arms from the Vermin Lord, uh, Plague whatever the, the, the sickly Vermin Lord, Pestilent Vermin yeah, Lord. Yeah, yeah, another one. Yep. Yeah, it's got he's got those big sickle things on like rotten zombie arms, uh, and so I'm gonna take those and put like a cut them a little shorter, and then put sort of maybe sculpt a little bit of a robot bit to make it look like they're growing out and over a piece of tech and then magnetize that as the melee option for the claw that the Moirax can take. Or Beautiful. I could run it as the uh, as the chain glaive and melt a lance option as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see where that goes. Um, uh, my brain just died. Um, <laughs> what else did I do these last two weeks? I've been awake too long. Um, I... <laughs> 
played a game of Age of Sigma. Uh, it was with the mm. people I do Path to Glory with. It was not one of our Path to Glory games uh, because one of us was very busy. And so instead of doing our Path to Glory games, we both decided to try out different things. Uh, so I played a game with my friend Matt and he brought Dryads, uh, Sylvaneth. That's the word. There were no Dryads in the list. <laughs> But that's what I'm going to. Um, <laughs> it's like, the most um, iconic for me. <laughs> it's like a dryad surprise. What's the surprise? There's mm. no dryads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so he brought Sylvaneth, um, built off of the the Gloom Spite box. What was it called? Gloom the the Loon Curse, Gloom Spite, Loon Curse. Yes, that one. Uh, and I brought Head Knights of Slanesh. Uh, finally hey. got to got to take him for a test run. Um, Wow, uh, depravity points rack up really fast. They do. <laughs> it is uh, ridiculous, is what it is. Um, so we played, it was an open war mission, so we got the, we deployed in opposite corners with a 12-inch clear bubble in the middle. Uh, there was one objective in each of our territories, one in the middle. If you ever hold all three, you win instantly. If you hold the majority of them after turn five, you win. Um, and yeah, his list was... What was it? it? Was Colonel Hunters with bows, Colonel Hunters with swords, uh, Spite Revenants, um, the the not Spite Revenants, the other ones with the waypipes. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, neither, me neither. Uh, he had yeah. a then he had a branch witch. He had a tree lord, um, and he had the the new hero, the uh, guy with the shield and the bug on his back. Uh, the one, oh, the, the one um... from Loon Curse. Yeah. Is it Arch Revenant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Um, so that was his list, about a thousand points. And then I had a Keeper of Secrets, a Vice Leader, a, and a Contorted Epitome, 20 Demonettes, uh, five Hellstriders. I think that was the list off the top of my okay. head, yeah. That's good, that's a good yeah, balanced list. Yeah, good balanced list. Uh, worked out decently well. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> Hellstriders are awful. They are there to be a 100-point battle line choice to fill out things. Um. <laughs> well, I think from my understanding is that, that yeah, like you said, they, yeah. they're better as battle line. Oh, sorry, they're, they're a filler one. But I think where I've, I've heard they can they look like they can do quite well is if you put them in a very uh, cavalry-driven list anyway. Oh, there's yeah. the, there's yeah. a Head Knight Battalion, which I can't remember the, the name of it. It's Seeker... Calcade mm. or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Which basically, which gives them like a six-inch piling and extra charging mm. and stuff, and so yeah, they can write. Yeah. You use them to tie up units, and then you bring in like your keeper of secrets to yeah, sort of decimate yeah. them. Basically, yeah, that's, that's that's absolutely where they shine in this list, which I ran pretenders. Awful. Um, <laughs> we we had a twist, which was uh, it was eager to kill. So that means everyone had an extra two inches of movement and plus one to run and charge. Uh, so it was very fast getting in there, especially because there was only a 12-inch gap between our foremost units at the start of the game. Um, mm-hmm. And so why I say Hellstriders are awful is they got a turn one charge into three Colonel Hunters with great bows and... For the rest of the game, they did two wounds to those Colonel Thunders. <laughs> um, it's not entirely the Hellstriders' fault. I did not realize just how absurdly tanky Colonel Thunders are. Mm-hmm. They, they have yeah, five they wounds. They've got a four-up save. And when they're in the charge phase, they can choose if to not run or charge next turn and instead just get to re-roll all saves. So 
there they go, re-rolling all their saves with a four-up save. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, he also had an artifact on his arch reference that like would regenerate units around it as well, so that was a little bit there, uh, helping that out. Um, it turns out Keeper Secrets are great. They're a little bit swingy, but you can, because uh, it all depends on if you hit and wound with the five damage claws. Um, mm-hmm. But their command ability really makes up for that. Because if they have a bad go around, you can spend one command point and pile in and fight again with them. Yep. <laughs> so um, they're they're pretty tanky. Uh, so the first keeper secrets was my warlord had the double warlord trait had the pendant to heal D three, which was a bad choice. I should have taken the pen the sword for extra attacks on the claws. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> uh, because it didn't last that long, uh, managed to pile into a bunch of spite revenants and the colonel hunters with great swords, wiped most of them out over two fight phases effectively because he got to fight twice in one turn, then got his ass kicked in return uh, <laughs> in the next turn. Um, but by that point, I had enough depravity points to summon another Keeper of Secrets. Nice. <laughs> uh, and so I summoned that in, and it got stuck <clears throat> in and wiped out the Colonel Hunters with Greatswords who had been regened back to full strength. Um, the dice actually just went well that time. <clears throat> Um, and it was, it was pretty good. Um, I feel if I had been able to get to his actual tree Lord sooner, I would have won the game because what, what finished the game was, uh, the tree Lord managed to get in, wipe out that keeper, wipe out the contorted epitome. Like it was, it was very lucky and it Mm. took a lot of work, uh, because, also, so when, when, when that keep, when that second keeper charged and wiped out the Colonel Hunters, it also did 10 wounds to the Tree Lord. Um, <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, so there's Tree Lord swinging away on two wounds, but even on his lowest bracket, he's D6 damage on his sweep attacks. So that mm. did a lot of work. Um, and so the, the sort of by the end of turn three, I had another 39 depravity points, but I had no heroes to summon from. So I couldn't regen anything. Uh, and the last <laughs> of my team nets got ground down and that was the end of the game. Uh, but it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I just didn't realize how god awful tanky Sylvaneth can be if they want to be. Uh, and now I know. <laughs> lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, lesson learned. Um, but also lesson like Slanesh is super fast and super killy if it's supported properly, unless you're Hellstriders, yeah. in which case, uh, I don't want to build 15 chariots. So please. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I can imagine them being quite off-putting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a lot of fun. That was really good. Um, uh, apart from that, I haven't done too much else. But you know, I played a game. I bought and built some more models. I do have another war dog I have to build, though. I've only built the one so far. Um, didn't really get around to any painting, so we'll see how that goes next time. <laughs> uh, but that was me. I, I got stuff done. Hooray! Back on it. Hooray! Yes. Have you been? Uh, were you reading anything recently? No, apart from, obviously. Warcry. Apart from <laughs> apart from apart from the Warcry anthology, I've not had time to read. So no, that's fair enough. No, it's good. I mean, I see you're back to your best now. You're actually playing yeah. and and building again. Yeah, Instead yeah. of people were in shot last episode when <laughs> like, well, I read a book. <laughs> mm. Yeah, <laughs> like, I read, hang I, on, I, you're sounding like Matt now. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Cool. Very cool indeed. Um, right. What have I been up to? So. You know, I've been, yeah, I've been up to bits and bobs. Uh, like I said, last couple of weeks have been a bit all over the place because, like I said, I've literally sold my house and moved, etc., which is, you know, mm. 
Always very time-consuming as an adult. <laughs> uh, so, right, what I've been doing. So, hobby-wise, um, I'm back on my custodies train. I've mm-hmm. you know, started building a few more. Um, I mean, the thing is, I'm aiming for that 1,000-point uh, game that we've got arranged mm. at Warhammer World in November. And I, it's one of those where I think I'm really glad that I've picked a force where my my entire army is 12 models and i feel like even now i'm still like time is going away and like i really need to get mm. on with them <laughs> so i've built <laughs> i think three or four of them at the moment so yeah to yeah. a quarter to a third of the way through building them so i, I you know and it's we're getting to that point where i'm like i can't have any excuses if it's not ready for november because it's like i've only got 12 mm. models to do mm. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so they're coming along um i mean they're still lovely they're very lovely kits to be mm. fair so um so what i'm I the, I did I am doing a slight tweak to my original list so uh so Valoris is still there the the um, Alaris Terminator uh, Banner Boy is still there and the Jet Bike Captain is still there um mm-hmm. but when it comes to the actual custodian uh the custodies guards uh basically rather than three units of three I'm going for two units three and I am changing one of them to the Sagittarium Guard which mm-hmm. is the guys with the uh, the the heavy bolter type weapons so yeah just for mm. a bit of variation so um i'm going to do those last because they're obviously half plastic half resin and mm. uh, <laughs> i've got to be in the mood for that <laughs> so so yeah i'm just going to carry on building them and then you know obviously i will hopefully start painting them soon mm. um which ties in because i finally bought some chaos black because i realized i didn't have any black spray paint to uh, to prime them with and also i've bought some gray knight steel because i'm going to give that mm. a go on them which is yeah. that new sort of bluish silver that mm. came out mm. recently which i think was originally a forge world paint from memory so yeah uh, looking forward to trying that at some point um what else um i've actually talked with the custodies me and martin who's my work colleague that we obviously came to Warhammer World with me last time. Uh, we're going to try, <laughs> try, <laughs> uh, being the key word, to get a few practice games in before Warhammer World as well, because, um, mm. you know, we're a bit out of the loop when it comes to the <laughs> playing 40k. <laughs> He's building a uh, Eldari force at the moment. So, uh, so yeah, it'll just be, you know, hopefully in the next few weeks or at least in the next month or so, we'll get some games in and uh, get mm. on with that. Uh, I've been playing more time on the PS4. Mm. That's been... That's Excellent. been really cool. Um, like I said, I've been going through basically the tutorial and things like that. I mean, if you've not played it, it's uh, it plays as you would imagine it to. It's you know a turn-based uh, RPG-ish sort mm. of uh, XCOM type game. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. I mean, graphically, it's okay. You know, it's not mm. setting the world alight, but it's very crunchy. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. lots of yeah. lots of stats to follow, lots of mm. uh, you know, warband management and things like that. Yeah, so if that's yeah. your bag, um, yeah, I recommend it. Mm. Uh, whilst, um, one thing I've been doing, um, which you've probably forgotten yourself for your, for your <laughs> hobby stuff is I've been working on my black library submission. Oh yeah. Um, um <laughs> I mean, I, my work on it was I changed 15 words. I didn't replace them. I didn't, I didn't remove them. I just changed them because I was at exactly 500 words and I just wanted to be exactly on it and then i submitted it um so so that that was also not a lot so that's why i forgot it um 
<laughs> that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been playing catch up, so I, I wrote mine last weekend. Oh, there you go. So um, I'm, and I'm, I, the thing is, I, I even said to my wife this morning, like, remember, remind me to send it because I, mm. I sort of, I did a first draft last weekend, did a few tweaks, but I feel like I'm pretty, I was pretty happy with it first go, mm. you know, apart from a few tweaks. So, but I, I need to, I think, just finish off the character bios, mm. and I, it's one of those where. I've been sat on it for a week and then it's one of those where I was like, I said to my wife, don't forget, don't, you know, don't forget to remind me not to, you know, to actually send it. Cause it'll be one of those mm, sort of situations mm. where I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I forgot to send it before the deadline, even though it's actually pretty much done. So, mm. um, yeah, um, I think what we'll do is next episode, which is when the, the window would have finished yeah. by then. Cause I think it's, yeah. it's a week today. So mm. uh, it's the 15th today. So yeah, yeah, we'll talk about. Well, well, you know, talk about what we've done on those. I think it'll be quite cool. Um, so, yeah, so I've been working on that. Um, buying wise, like I said, I bought some paint. Um, I've got him. I've got him. Here we go. Can you hear him? Mm. There he is. Yeah, that's, my, uh, that's my uh, night desecrator. I've got yes. him. I've got my chaos yes. night boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I as I promised myself, um, I, I would submit to the will of chaos. I <laughs> I got myself a chaos night last uh, weekend to celebrate moving house. Mm. Um, he obviously, like you would have just heard, yeah. he's still in the box. But yeah. um, I've got a few ideas for him. Obviously, when I last spoke to you, Cameron, obviously I was... T- toying with obviously making him a Saneshi knight um yeah. sort of talking about maybe putting having a mirror for a face and doing some more weird and wonderful stuff the 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 other thing that's in my head which is probably influenced with what I've been reading recently which has mm. uh, been Soul Hunter one of the Night Lords yeah. trilogies yeah. it's like well would would I want to do a Night Lords version um because obviously the the Night Rampager would be you know very mm. appropriate for the Night Lords so um don't know if anyone got any ideas of what I could do with my Chaos Knight, yeah. send them in because yeah. I, I I'm sort of a bit torn really what to do with him as a, you know mm. what the theme will be on him. So um, the thing is, it's one of those where I don't know if I'm going to do him as a one off or whether this will be the yeah, start of something yeah. chaotic. I don't know. It's sort of I'm mm. I got him because like I said I'm weak and I really want yes. him. And, <laughs> and that's I mean about that's it, how really. it always goes. Yeah, I mean exactly. you know, so, find, you know. find a good find a good theme, and if he's the only one you ever do. Run him as a dreadblade, and yeah, you know, I mean, and then if you do more, still run him as a dreadblade, or run him as like the cent- <laughs> as the center knight of the household. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Just, yeah, make make it make it good. Don't do what I do. Yeah. And try and make every knight a unique character because that's an awful well, idea. That's, <laughs> that's the thing. I, I suppose. I mean, obviously, it will be when I get stuck into him. It may change my mind, but I, I feel like I don't want any more. Like I just want mm. a knight mm. and go, and then. If I do something yeah. chaotic around it, like, you know, care space marines in the future or mm. hopefully he's Emperor's mm. children when they finally get a release, I don't yeah. know. But Come on. yeah, he's there. <laughs> My boy's there. So <laughs> I got him. Um I also uh is, this is again through sitting next to martin at work and we start talking about things because obviously we're talking mm. about necromunda at some point because there is a local um club near us that plays necromunda and yeah. um, even to the point the local gw guy told me that as well so <laughs> when i popped in there recently to get my night and uh we're basically yeah looking to do a gang at some sort so i got awesome. the uh a bo- the box of the palanite enforcers which is mm. the new you know judge dread-esque uh, RBT's type that uh, look very cool. They've been very hard to get hold of because yeah, for ages, 
GW <laughs> were out of stock of them, um, so I had to eBay them, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, Sod's Law, they come back in stock. <laughs> so <laughs> within a day of me getting them on eBay, but that's cool. So uh, I've got them. Um, I, I've forgotten how small the pieces are for Necromunder stuff. Um, yeah. Because obviously yeah. you're on 25 mil bases, and they, mm. they pack a lot in these sprues, which is great because you get lots of options. But uh, So, yeah, that's uh, for you know, sometime in the future. And I got the uh, tactics cards to go with them as well, because yeah. uh, the tactics card t- tend to disappear very quickly. You know, it's like your dice and things like mm. that. They sort of, mm. once they're out, they're gone, they're gone. So I picked them up before, you know, eBay sells them for silly amounts of money. <laughs> um, and then as I showed off on discord and Twitter yesterday, I made an impulse purchase when I went in town to have my haircut. I <laughs> ended up buying monsters and mercenaries, which is the new expansion yep. for Warcry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a, a, a yeah, brief flick through it. And I mean, it is a bit light. It's only about 60 odd pages. And mm. obviously some of that is photos and things like that. But yeah, you got some very cool options in here. And what I'm hoping, uh, again, this is not, not for definite, but when, again, when we have our Warhammer World meetup, I'm hoping we'll play Warcry again like we did last time mm. after we've played 40k. And I'm thinking we'll, again, we'll do a monster themed uh, game of some sort. I yeah. think what we'll probably do is maybe use my Manticore as a Chimera. Because mm. unfortunately, Manticores mm. aren't in this book. Um, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure on this. I'm guessing because obviously the kit comes with the Chaos Lord or slash Sorcerer. Mm. Maybe it was just easier not to put it in rather than doing a separate kit which yeah, has maybe. the Manticore and everything else in it. Mm. So I'd imagine mm. whereas the other monsters have, have their own kit anyway, yeah, you know, without yeah. riders and things like that. So uh, I don't know. I tell you what's really cool. I like the fact you can have the um, the uh, the spider uh, dude. What's the, what they called the uh, Arachnarok? Ah, uh, yeah, that, that's, oh, really that's pretty good. That is pretty cool. They're actually a lot bigger than I thought they were. I saw oh, yeah. again when I went yeah. to Warhammer World recently <laughs> and saw them. They're actually yeah, the mm, kit is much. You know, the actual model is big. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> which is quite cool uh so yeah so i got that and i said i'll carry on having to read through that um and talking of reading um i haven't done too much recently regarding that i like i said earlier i have listened to soul hunter which is the first of the night lords trilogy and oh my god it's beautiful that book <laughs> it's so good have you have you read it I can't no remember i have it. not no oh nope. do it it's it's great it's it's, I mean, it's ADB. He knows his stuff. He he writes mm. great chaos stuff, and I, I I think it makes you appreciate the Night Lords in some ways. Um, I think mm. that I must admit I'm a sucker for novels where chaos is the the main sort of the main uh, character or characters, and you're seeing it from their perspective. And and it's you, you get some great things. I mean, again, I won't say too much because I know it's been mm. out for quite a while now, but, you know, obviously a lot of people probably still haven't read it yet. And, you know, you've got great things like where they're salvaging kits from, uh, you know, from old Marines and, the you know, the ones they've killed, etc. Like Like the main character, again, this is a slight little spoiler, but mm. just a really cool scene yeah, where yeah. He, he basically ends up, um, with the sort of a poison attack on him um, through Abaddon. And mm. basically, because his armor is literally, uh, you know, an amalgamation of all, you know, he's got a glove from one Marine, he's got a shoulder pad from another, <laughs> you know, he's just literally just scavenged it over the years. 
all the different machine spirits for all the different parts start screaming at the same time and and sort of it's just really cool it's just mm. a really cool imagery <laughs> that you have so yeah if you've not ever read soul hunter or listen to it because again it's now on audible uh check it out it's great and um in contrast to that i'm still trying to get my way through knights of mccrag which is the last audio book i got Mm. um it's one that i last episode i think i said that i restarted it after a few hours and yeah it's um i don't know it's it's hard you know it's just a I, Mm. I, i think i'm just not clicking with it but from what I've seen or what I've read without spoiling it for myself, that I think it's a novel of two halves, literally, okay. you know, the, the yeah. halfway through the novel, it's a completely different type of story and, you know, obviously same characters, but it, it, it and from what I've heard, read, that bit is very good, the second half. So I'm, I'm almost halfway through it. So I may just, you know, it's not terrible. It's just, I, mm. I don't know, maybe it's the writing and the prose, really. Um, it's Nick Kime and, he, I, I've struggled with his, some of his novels at times. He's he did like Auric Gods, which again another, was that mm. that uh, Custodes novella. Yeah, that we the, and I struggled with that a bit as well. And I think it's just mm. the, the uh, and that's not a criticism, honestly. It's just I think you know, as you know, we all have our favourite authors, and I think you click with someone's writing more than others, mm. even though it's not yeah. they're no better or worse than each other. It's just you know, again, it's just being subjective. It's just I I'm not clicking with this story. Um, but I'm going to keep going. It's not, you know, it's not yeah. where I'm, I have to put it down. So I'll I'll keep going. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> next episode I'll go, yes, I finally <laughs> finally got through it. Um, so, yeah, that's been my hobby stuff, really. So, you know, bits mm-hmm. and bobs, getting stuff done. Um, right, okay. I think we'll take our first little break. And uh, when we return, we'll see what's been going on in the news world of Warhammer. Back soon. Right, news time. Uh, it's been, yeah, you know, consistent amount over the last mm. few weeks. Plenty for us to get stuck into. So we'll start with uh, Warhammer 40k. And let's start with mm. Psychic Awakening Phoenix Rising. Ooh. So obviously we know Psychic Awakening is a thing. Obviously mm-hmm. last episode we covered the fact that, you know, they told us a bit but didn't tell us a lot either. It's sort of no. a bit vague at no. this point. We've now got a galaxy map to show a bit mm. more of that yep. side of things, but they've shown a bit more about what the first one's going to be. So, Cameron, what you, th- mm. what are your hopes and dreams for this first one? <laughs> uh, my hopes and dreams. Well, we know we know what this is about. We know this is about aspect warriors. Um, so, my big hope here is because we've got a little bit of a prophecy here saying that the the galaxy is in worse shape than it was even when Slanesh was born, and that that's saying a lot. Mm. And I'm hoping this <clears throat> is. Because there's very important things with Aspect Warriors. I'm hoping this is the point where the Phoenix Lords become prominent actors in the galactic on like the galactic stage again. Yeah. Because like there's not been as far as I can tell, there's not been a ton about them recently. Like with the Eldar, it's all been on the side of like the Inari have been the big thing recently in the law, shaking things up. You know, the Eldar throwing off their bonds, a tradition to all unite together and stuff like that. But they're still Lawwise, still like a minority in the Eldar community. <clears throat> yeah. And I feel if we're getting plastic aspect warriors, we really, really need new Phoenix Lord models because <laughs> good Lord. Um, and I think it'd be really, really cool to see all the Phoenix Lords arrayed again with like super cool new models and doing their big, the, uh, th- these guys are the 
pure embodiment of these aspect paths. You know, like they are the arbiters of destruction and warfare in Eldar society. They should be going around doing big, important stuff. And this seems like a point where big, important stuff needs to be done. So uh, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring with that and say we're getting Aspect Warriors reboots and the Phoenix Lords to go along with them. And I really hope I'm right. <laughs> I think a lot of people hope you're right as well. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I think that that's a necessary component of this release as well. But at the end of the day, mm. it would be really odd if they redone and rebooted all these plastic aspect warriors that we've been wanting for years and then the phoenix lords yeah yeah aren't with it as well that would be a bit <laughs> odd um and, yeah and like you said, it would not be great <laughs> no exactly and they've they've been they're very much needed i mean and unlike you said we need i think a bit more of a prominence in the law when it comes to the eldar at the moment because like you mm. said the inari have been the sort of flavor for a while and then obviously we did have bit bit of eldari in uh vigilant as, sorry, mm. Vigilus as well. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it, and, and I don't mean this bad, it, it felt like they were sort of just put in there, just go, oh, look, there's Eldar here yeah. as well. It didn't, like, mm. there was no, nothing unique about them being there, I think. No. Whereas, like no. I said, this is a an, an opportune moment for them to, like I said, you know, ro- you know, rise the Phoenix Lords back into mm. play. And make, mm. Like I said, make them actually feel, like I said, they're an actual importance. Yeah, Because, yeah. like you said, we've got these big characters like Gilliman and et cetera that are, you know, Abaddon, obviously, that, you know mixing things up cause you know shaking it up etc you know and you know the eldar i know obviously are smaller in the grand scheme because obviously there's not many of them around but yeah they they need they're such a iconic part of the 40k universe and and one of the most interesting as well so Mm. i think Mm. that yeah they need to do that i know obviously there's other xenos races that you know, people could argue, say, well, we want these to be, you know, my race to be uh, part of yeah. that as well. But yeah. I think the Eldari, you know, have sort of been, not, I don't say neglected. I think they just mm. need mm. to sort of be bumped back up, you know, into yeah. having some yeah. sort of, uh, you know, attention. Importance. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I have an important question to ask you. Do you remember just how old the Phoenix Lord models are? Because I just looked yeah. up a picture of them. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm yeah, sending it they, to you. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll let know. I mean, they from my from memory, these yeah, these Phoenix Lords have not changed, as far as I know. They've not changed mm. since I was I collected what forty k as a kid, and so yeah. I would have been, you know. So it, this is now, oh yeah, about twenty five years ago that mm-hmm. I would have these. Mm-hmm. I remember the because I remember having. A few of them, admittedly, I can't remember which mm. ones I had, but they yeah. they are still the same. So I, unless someone can yeah. correct me, I think these are over twenty yeah. years old. <laughs> these sculpts, so God. yeah, they so need it's, it. it's it's a bother because looking at them, there's so much flavor there, but it's crammed into these tiny squat frames. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> exactly. like they, they're, they're great models. I want that, but updated for the modern like aesthetic and capabilities that we have with plastic. Like, mm. come on, give it, give us that. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, it would be it would make them stand out so much if you've got these lovely new sculpts for the for the actual aspect Mm. warriors, and then you've got the lords next to them, and you know, and and also I think that again, I I haven't I haven't seen their current day rules, so I don't know, but I don't Mm. think from what I see out there, people are really taking them. So again, maybe this is an excuse to bump their rules up, you know, make them not. OP, but mm. make them of some importance that people think, yeah, you know, as well as being cool new models, I really want yeah. to run these Phoenix Lords as well in some sort of capacity. Mm. So, 
yeah we'll see we'll see <laughs> but i think you could be right and um i but mm. like i said it's promising what they've shown so far obviously we've seen the plastic howling banshee before but now obviously the exarch has been shown off as well which yep. looks amazing um oh yes it does <laughs> now i know obviously they've done the yunari version for the which is obviously mm. the maskless version so have you got a preference between the two <laughs> um I, i'm i can be a bit of traditionalist i really really like the masked version however i, I feel i have to preface this i don't actually really like the masked versions weapon loadout with the two blades just because they're doing that reverse grip thing where they're like they're doing their Naruto run style. They've got the, the holding, holding the sword backwards kind of thing. I feel it looks a little off. However, that mask is fantastic. And that mask with the weapon that the Inari Exarch is using, the Executioner Glaive or whatever I think it yeah. is, uh, would look perfect. So I'm happy with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Inari face looks fine. But yeah. Um, and I think there's some interesting lore implications there. Uh, because if I remember, Exarchs always go masked no matter what to protect other Eldar from like their being infected by their aspect of war or something yes. like that. Like, because yeah. they're, they're so heavily invested, they psychically influence people around them if you look at them for too long and stuff like that, which is cool. Yeah, because um, they've, they've gone a path, when, they, when they're an exarch, they've sort of basically chosen that path for life, haven't they, effectively? They mm, don't sort of, mm. they're so obsessed with it, they won't ever deviate from it. And like you said, they, yeah. that could influence <laughs> the others. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the idea that the Inari exarchs choose to show their faces is really interesting law wise mm. yeah. could have really big implications and i believe someone talked to gav thorpe on twitter about it he said i can't tell you anything Ooh, <laughs> so <laughs> i say interested okay. there mm. yeah so we, we we might we might learn why in in phoenix rising why it is that um the inari exarchs go unmasked mm. uh, as opposed to yeah i mean it could be something as simple as they're doing it to power up all the other non path inari around them or it could be something along the lines of Inead allows them to harness their powers without infecting other elder who knows it's a it's a mystery we'll see uh. yeah yeah i yeah. I, I think again we've touched well not we but i think anyone that's read any of the inari stuff like a couple of the novels obviously that gav like you said gav thorpe has been part of mm. that yeah, I think, again, the Inari sort of need to be, again, as part of this being brought to the front as well, because it sort mm. of feels that, you know, Yvrain is off on a quest to find the crone swords <laughs> and, and obviously bring this god back. And it, it's almost like, well, that, that that can actually be part of this. I think maybe mm. Iniad is the, is the, you know, could be a big part of this, to be honest. Um, <laughs> obviously, you know, as, as we know from, obviously, there's, I suppose parallels with when Snesh was born into the world, you know, and obviously Yinead is the god of the dead um, mm. and, you know, is being brought back in or hopefully being brought back in a way. And obviously that could be part of this actual psychic awakening because, because also mm. the fact they've shown this first could be, this could be the, ki I'm assuming this is the kickoff of yeah. psychic awakening yeah. that this, they haven't just mm. randomly shown us one of these many campaigns and, and books mm. that they're going to be showing that this is, you know, number one and the uh, Eldar are part of that. <laughs> so yeah, mm, yeah exactly. which sort of makes sense in some way. So yeah, let's uh, let's wait and see. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, carrying on. Obviously, we know that the Space Marines Codex came out recently, and obviously they're continuing with this supplement uh, yeah. way of doing things. So next is Raven Guard and the Iron Hands, which is no surprise to everyone really, because obviously 
You know, we spoke mm. about Shrike last episode. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> just to remind everyone, I love him, um, and I still yeah, do. I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> For all the haters out there, I still love him. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So now, I think as of yesterday, yesterday being the 14th, so they went up for pre-order. So you can get the supplements, you can get mm, the data cards, mm. um, you can have some very interesting upgrades as well. Especially if you get the Raven yep. Guard one, you got some uh, mm-hmm. some lads with their lovely floppy hair. <laughs> And yeah. the beaky helmets. <laughs> mm. Beaky helmets are good. I'll agree. I'm not. I'm not so sold on the Raven Guard faces on that sprue, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I, I think. Little... I, I think. Mm. I was going to sorry. I was going to say. I think I said on Discord yeah, yeah. that I, they were appropriate for Night Lords. I think in some ways as well. Yeah. Maybe. Oh yeah, definitely. You know. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. The <laughs> Iron Hand. The Iron Hand sprue is solid gold, though. Just putting that mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. Like that 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 helmet where it's really it's really subtle but one lens is normal and the other lens is a tiny hidden augmentic eye mm-hmm. with like some bionics around it is so cool. <laughs> like just, they've got all kinds of good stuff. They've got like the studded pauldrons with the like the bonding studs on them and stuff like that. There's plenty of fantastic stuff in that one. Makes me want to yeah. play Iron Hands. Um <laughs> I'm not going to, but mm. um there's actually there's something with um when they talked about Iron Father Pharos, which is the or Pharos or however you say who is the the new Primaris character. Uh, I quite like that he was a lot more like Ferris Manus in his outlook on things. Like he's not sure the Iron Hands are going the right right way around thing by just throwing away everything fleshy about them, which mm-hmm. is why he chose to become Primaris because he saw a chance to be better. By augmenting his self without just lopping random bits off and stuff. Um, which is quite interesting for someone whose job in the chapter is to lop people's left arms off when they enter the chapter. But you know, uh, yeah. you you, you got you to make your nods to tradition and then just don't throw away the rest of it, I suppose. <laughs> Actually, talking of tradition, I think this kit is reminds me of a very grim, dark era as well. I'm mm. getting a very older 40k vibe from this kit as yeah, well like I said, the yeah, studded definitely. shoulder pads um the the non sorry well the the helm the the heads mm. that are showing a bit of flesh and such like it reminds yeah. me of that uh, old john blanche way of mm. things being designed mm. I, I love it i think it's a i'm i've never really had any affinity towards the iron hands but i really like this upgrade kit i think if yeah. you're an iron hands yeah. fan you're gonna love this kit so oh yeah absolutely <laughs> good um and like i said obviously shrike is now obviously up for pre-order the iron mm. father pharos is up for pre-order um and also the primaris eliminators which were in mm. uh shadow spear i believe yes, yes they were um so yeah they're up except as well. it's the multi-part kit not the stock uh push fit ones from shadow spear which is pretty sure is what they were yes which is nice uh, um yeah because we get the last fusel option, so you can go tank hunting instead. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. Um, and then you get the obviously the Primaris Lieutenant in Phobos armor as well, which is quite a very cool model as well. So mm, mm. yeah, it's all up for pre-order, and we'll be out uh, well the week you should probably hear this. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, it's like I said, it, it's coming on at a nice pace. I think these supplements yeah, as well yeah. so absolutely i mean obviously we've had what this will be four now so um, yeah that two would, more so i'm <laughs> guessing that so that'll be what salamanders and, and imperial fists that's it yep yeah exactly. 
So that's cool. Yeah. I really want to see the Salamanders upgrades, bro. yeah this should be i mean this is the thing and actually also what was noticed earlier today is that the on the actual website now the filters have been divided Mm. up into the different chapters now so if you go to if you go to the gw website now and and obviously to Mm. the 140k part and then obviously go to the side where it's got all the you know all the filters um yeah they've been divvied up now salamanders raven guard Mm. etc they're all excellent all separate interesting uh, right so let's move to the mortal realms and talk aos mm-hmm. um um i heard that someone is alive cameron yeah no someone someone clawed his way out of the deepest realms of chaos he's been kicking <laughs> around for a while now uh but he's not everyone knows you're not officially alive until you get a model um <laughs> so god tracks back everyone he is uh, and god um I don't know if we talked about his rules on the last show. I don't know if they've been previewed yet. No, they uh, haven't at that point. No. Yeah, no, he, he is terrifying. Like, the only <laughs> thing holding him back is that four inch of movement. So, like, God God save you if you ever get within six inches of him. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, his like, rules are outstanding. Mm, <laughs> they really are. It is, I'm going to say it's really, really nice that his rules are that insane because he is one of the very few characters that should be up at that level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. they, they, the Warhammer community did a little Gotrek versus the Mortal Realms article where they just threw basically everything at, in the books at him. And yeah, no, he did fine. He he took on four greater demons over two turns or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but, I, 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 lo- I love mm. this, though. I think that, that there needs to be more of this. I know there's obviously a balance thing. And, I'm, and again, I'm not coming from a competitive side on this, mm. uh, what I'm about to say. But I like when models are really powerful because yeah. I know obviously you've got to be a bit careful because you don't want things to be so dominating that there's no point playing against certain mm. Uh, mm. armies or characters. But I find sometimes it go it, it, that sometimes they end up being too cautious. And so yeah. you have this situation yeah. where what should be extremely powerful things in the lore mm. and the story and everything are re- like when it comes to the tabletop are really meh and average and yeah. sort of they you yeah. don't feel powerful with them. Whereas Gotrek is exactly what you would imagine to be. He is ridiculously mm. powerful, mm. but yeah. like you said, there it comes with consequences. Like you said, he's mm. got a four-inch move. He's not very mobile. He's five hundred and twenty points. You know, yeah. so he's, <laughs> you know, if he was two hundred points, it'd be a lot more scary. Oh yeah, you know? no, so absolutely. It's, like it's mm. it's in balance, it's I good. believe. Yeah, I am absolutely willing to say he is actually really well balanced. Just mm. because, yeah, like you said. Four-inch move, plus there's an addendum to that. He also can't be moved by magic or other abilities, yep. which means he's got to he's got to foot slog it up the table. Uh, there are exceptions to that. If you can cast like the Chronomantic Cogs, that'll give him an extra two inches. Uh, mm-hmm. If you if you like me, roll up the correct twist in an open war game, he will get an extra two inches. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the the really big thing here is the 520 points. He is massively expensive for an eight wound model i mean he can take a lot of damage um but also that would normally make him actually unplayable because he's not part of anything except grand alliance order so unless you're doing a mixed order list with order as your actual alliance wouldn't work uh however he can be taken as an ally at any points level but just prevents you from taking any other allies which i think (laughs) is great (laughs) <laughs> this is quite funny because because re- realistically that does anyway because even if you're playing a two thousand points 
uh, battle, oh, yeah. he's already above your <laughs> limit. Oh, anyway, yeah, so in well theory, above. you wouldn't be able to take any more. But no, no I, I, think... I get why they've done it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, they, they might come out with Apocalypse for Age of Sigmar and they just go, I True. took Gotrek and I've got 3,000 more points to play with, but I can't take any more allies. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's also a very fast track way to get an army done. When, oh, when yeah. one relatively small model is 520 <laughs> points. Like, great, there we go. I'm Look, already quite away there. <laughs> I, I fully believe someone will do a 750 point list somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure it can be done. I'm assuming probably with like current free guild or something, you could take like a bare bones captain and minimum infantry squad or something for battle line plus one leader. Yeah. And then be like, yeah, yeah, 750 points. I've got Godrek and six other guys. <laughs> 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 no it's, uh, it's great it's really mm, cool um he's, yeah i think is he limited edition because i've seen that on some places i but don't I, believe he is no i hope not no also i he mean limited be. edition sticks around honestly at this point like yeah depending on the store you can still find severina rain in stock and stuff like that and you can yeah, still you can. order a yeah. lot of them off the websites as well which is good because yeah, i really i true. really got to get a severina rain sometime <laughs> it's just got to yeah, find they, the time yeah, they are so, yeah they still they're still i think she's still on the website um mm-hmm. and i saw it at warmer world you know you can still buy her off the shelf yeah, so yeah yeah i'd make that make the sense with got track as well and obviously mm. you can get his new novels as well i think they're yeah i think they're up for pre-order i don't i don't think they're out yet so i could be wrong on that they but might- they might be out today. I don't know. I, I would, I would <laughs> no, check. I'm but, with the books. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, you've got uh, you got two of them from memory, which is yeah. um, the you've got uh, Ghoul Slayer, which mm-hmm. is uh, the I think that's the actual novel because there's a novel yes. and then there's the obviously the audio, drama. audio drama. So yes. yeah, so Ghoul Slayer is out. That's actually mm-hmm. out now. Just looking Ooh. at it, and Might then you've to go got look at that then. <laughs> <laughs> so that's obviously in hardback. Um, that's by mm-hmm. Darius Hinks. And then obviously you've got Realm Slayer, the well, the second one, which is Blood of the Old World, yeah. which is by mm. David Geimer, but I'll see that's one with Brian Blessed. And yes. like I said, if it's as good as the first one, it'll be brilliant. Because Realm Slayer, the first one, is fantastic. Brian Blessed mm. is mm. fantastic, has got Trek. So again, I thor- thoroughly recommend you go check that out. And when my yeah. audible credits come through, I'm getting this. One hundred percent. Excellent. Uh, well, Gotrek was really well received. Let's move on to something a little more on the edge of controversy <laughs> in the community. Uh, let's talk about the Gothazar Harvester and his little crotch goblin. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> this is what it is. Um, so uh, the Osiak Bone Reapers continue to get some previews as someone leaked the back of the battle tome and everyone's looking at this blurry image going, oh, what are these things we can't quite see? Um First off, looks like Nagash and Arkan might just be part of the book, which would be cool. They really fit mm-hmm. the aesthetic. Um, however, we also got shown off the Gothazar Harvester, uh, which is the the Ossiarch answer to the corpse cart, is what I'm going to say. Um, it looks like a skeletal forge fiend that wanders around on tiny, tiny legs and collects bones in a big basket on its back. Um, it It's interesting i <laughs> i'm i'm willing to say i would really really like it if there was one change which was give it six legs instead of two because mm, yeah. at the moment it's got these these little baby bone legs and this big sort of t-rexy looking upper body with these massive arms and i feel he's a little he looks really unbalanced and i feel like if he looked like he had a stable platform i would really dig this model but I yeah don't know, what, what do you think 
I totally agree. I, I'll be honest, I don't like this model. I was, I was a, a big supporter of the Bone Reapers when, you know, the first wave that we saw recently. Um, mm. when I saw this one, I thought, no, <laughs> I do, it, uh, not the concept. I think the concept's really cool. I think I'm totally in agreement with you that he looks so physically imbalanced that it doesn't mm. look right. Like I said, he need like, totally what you said he needs more legs or just make the lower half bigger in general it yeah, just yeah. It, it looks i it's one of those models where to me there's a bit too much going on at times mm, um mm. like i said the crotch <laughs> the crotch guy <laughs> is just, is cool in some way but weird in the mm. other like yeah it, it's yeah. that i know it's slightly unsettling which I, to me is never a bad thing i like when stuff mm. is slightly unsettling it always makes it more interesting but i i i I don't know what it's trying to do, if you see what I mean. It's one of those yeah, where, yeah. I, like, I think when you, anything, when you see a model, a, a photo, a picture of something like, you know, something like a creature of some sort, I like mm. it when you can clearly identify what things are. Even if it's a bit mm. weird, that's not that's not yeah, a bad thing. Yeah. That's actually a very cool thing. It's just, it's one of those things where, like I said, I look at it and I'm thinking, oh, what's that? What's going on there? It's like it's just, yeah, just a bit too mm. much. Like if they just yeah. dialed it back a bit, made him more balanced, it could be a really cool looking model. But in this cu- current iteration, I actually really don't like it at all. Actually, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. disappointed with it yeah. considering how good the others have been. But now, you know, yeah, I will counterpoint. I'm a big fan of the Crotch Goblin because his place <laughs> is he picks up all the bones of people the Gothazar Harvester crushes. <laughs> And he yeah. passes them up because there's, there's actually like a series of arms just randomly jutting out of this leading up to the top of that big bone basket thing. So, like, <laughs> I, can, I can really see this. I'm not sure if they had to give him the little grinning face, but he clearly loves his work. If I were reincarnated <laughs> instead, I would be this guy. Um, <laughs> because his job is he's got a big buddy up up on top of him and his job is he just picks all the bits up off the ground and pass, tosses him back. He, he loves it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I actually really like that that jeery, sort of cheerful, odd, like you said, unsettling aspect of death. It is For me, it is literally the legs are way too small. <laughs> keep, mm. keep the crotch goblin, but just give, give him some big, beefy bone legs, um, and I'll be much happier with that. I mean, uh, people will fix it, I'm sure. Like, mm-hmm. you could honestly probably graft it onto like the the body of one of the new cavalry might look good depending on the size difference there like the the big bone reaper cavalry guys um but we'll see uh there is also um sorry in in that in that picture that they showed us there's also a guy who looks exactly like vandis hammerhand um (laughs) you (laughs) notice that one Uh, he's it's the one on the mount like oh, on the, the on the left, on the far yeah, left. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does actually he looks look like Van der Samhand. Exactly yeah. like Van der Samhand. And part Same of me is pose. going, yeah, exactly. Like part of me feels, is this going to be a story progression? Is Vandus going to be killed off and like corrupted by Nagash in the same way in like the uh, in the Soul Wars book we had with um, that anvil that held cool. hammer guy? Because it is so direct, it is uncanny to me. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> It is exactly the same. It might just be them saving like programming space on CAD or something. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> no. But you know, no, you're right. It's, it's actually mm. yeah. It's it's scarily very similar. And I think actually, to be fair, Vander's Hammerhand is sort of been a bit 
out the loop really since in recent mm. times because he was a prominent stormcast yeah. when AOS became a thing and obviously he's a massive part of like the Realm Gate Wars. But especially mm. since Soul Wars now, he's sort of taken a bit of a backseat compared to obviously since the new chambers have come out, etc. Yeah, so yeah. So yeah, we could we'll see. Yeah, maybe have an early death <laughs> of some sort and see what happens. Yeah. That'd be good. Mm. Start cool. building some building some really deep characters. Like this guy was of this side, he switched sides due to whatever, whatever. Like start a- Asia Sigma has a lot of growing up to do still, but like I feel we well it's been three years. We're at the point where we can start pulling pulling people around and going, This is an established character, let's really mess with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, because like I said, AOS has been out for four years now, so it, mm. yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing that sort of stuff. That 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 in a way it it does progress things forward because ultimately we've seen it a lot in 40k so yeah i would be totally on board with that you know mm. i mean obviously if you're a vandas hammerhand fan then maybe not so but you know <laughs> it, it, doing something like that yeah i don't think it's mm. out of the realms of what they do so yeah cool uh well we got the uh amortis guard as well that have been mm. announced by this these are cool i like these yeah these are yeah. nice nice shields nice weapons so these mm. are, I'm guessing, a like a defensive elite choice of sorts. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are the other. I think it's going to be a multi-part kit with the guys with the four heads fused into one. It's going mm-hmm. to be, you can build them or you can build these. Yeah, I would like, they're, so. they're the exact same bodies. They've both got four arms. It's just switching the heads and adding a shield and giving better weapons. Yeah, they look yeah. great. That's why yeah. I love those big spirit halberd things they've got going on. <laughs> yeah, they're very cool. <laughs> like I said, I, I love all their models. Again, apart from the har- the harvesters, the only one I've got a question mark over. The rest I think yeah. are very cool. So that's fair. That's fair. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait until we get told like the harvesters an integral part of the army. You can't make a competitive list <laughs> yeah, without one. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> oh no. I'm torn. <laughs> cool. Right. Okay. So we'll. Um, Switch to all the other news because again, there's still quite mm. a bit. So yeah. uh, we'll move over to Warcry, and as I said earlier in my hobby section, I've got hold of Monsters and Mercenaries. So that's the I said the new expansion that is actually out now, um, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, like I said earlier, it's very cool. It's like I said it gives you the option of bringing in allies, bringing in obviously mercenaries. Hence the title yeah. you've got. Mm. So yeah, a nice little mix. Again, it's it's not it's probably like I said it's about sixty odd pages. Um, it's mm. not masses of stuff but it just adds another you know element yeah. to your warcry game a bit again i mm. think if you want there's no reason not to get this unless it just the mm. the monsters and ally side just doesn't really tally with you really so yeah i would i would go for it to be honest and like i said you got some nice little mm. options here war hydras zombie dragons terror geists yeah. etc oh yeah and yeah you know stuff and it's it's nice like i said it's a, it's a cool opportunity to bring in um especially from an allies point of view especially on the chaos side you, know, you can bring in mm. dark oath war queen expi- aspiring death bringers you know claw yeah. lords you know all that sort of lord of plagues really? etc you can take you can take skaven yeah oh yeah you oh. Can take skaven yeah i got the that's pager. really cool yeah i hope they can... release a skaven warband <laughs> yeah you can take um uh, you can take either a grace here or claw lord so. Oh, that's really cool. Mm. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. See, look, no, no cameras thinking, damn, I must get hold of that. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, can, I can live my dream of having a bunch of chaos idiots being controlled by the greatest mind of all time, Gracie Thankful. <laughs> yeah. <true>. yeah. <laughs> Good show. <laughs> 
So, uh, so that's out now. They've reboxed the Chimera, and mm-hmm. they've also released the Defiled Ruins, and obviously the Iron Golem, uh, Untamed Beasts, and Chaotic Beasts, which obviously comes in the original box set, are now available yeah. separately as yeah. well. So, mm. yeah, plenty of Warcry. Yeah, now out there. Yeah, now speaking of things still in the model realms. Do you remember when uh, when they started killing all the old beloved factions mm-hmm. that, you know, had been established for years and years and had <laughs> these wonderful, absolutely not terrible at all, ancient models? Um, so it's a really good thing we're recording today and not yesterday, actually, because uh, we got the announcement of the Ripper's Snarl Fangs for Beast yes. Grave, which is Underworld Season 3. Um, hey, the Gitmob Grots appear to be coming back mm. uh, right after we thought they'd been, like, Thanos Snap erased from existence forever <laughs> earlier in the year. Um, no, so the next Underworld's Warband is Three Wolf Riders, and mm. they look really good, actually. Yeah, they do. Yeah, like, they- yeah. <laughs> the unexpected curveballs being thrown here yeah no like i think my favorite thing is they are exactly the old models but redone Mm -hmm. in the modern style yeah because they've got the exact same hat they've got like the curved tulwa like swords they've got the wolves the wolves are in the same poses they're just really good looking wolves yeah instead of those awful like blobs of barely sculpted fur um <laughs> the thing is that maybe maybe in a way this is what they're trying to do with warmer underworlds is sort of test the water with some of these models because obviously mm. we've seen that as part of obviously beast grave one of the warbands is the kenothi which are yeah know, a, a fact or a faction or sub faction that we've not seen before um mm. we've seen in obviously blood bowl we saw the guacamole gator crater gators for obviously yes. showing off some new yes. seraphon models <laughs> you know and it, there's nothing out the realms of the in uh, mm. warm underworlds we don't see a seraphon warband for example yes. yeah. so maybe this is their way of sort of showing off like by the way mm. this is what's going to come in yeah, you know, yeah full aos later down the line like i really really hope so because um someone on reddit pointed this out uh in the gloom spike gets book like the uh the battle time there's actually a reference to the git mob Mm. Uh, and and it is that when the Moon Clan decided that the Bad Moon was the essence of Gorkamorka, the Git Mobs went, "No, you're stupid. It's the Sun, which is the realm of Heish." And so the Git Mob chase it over plains and steps, like mm-hmm. they follow the Sun. And I think that's really interesting. Like it's it's almost Beast Claw Raiders style. Like you're instead of running away from something, they're running after something. But like the idea of this light cavalry based goblin army for the Git Mob would actually be really cool. And I really, I really hope they get expanded into a full faction because, again, destruction needs love. They've been getting some recently, which is not bad, but like, give, give them more. Uh, I feel, I, I'm pretty sure Corn still has more unit choices than the entire Destruction Allegiance, if I'm not yeah. doing my maths wrong. Yeah, so, probably about, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, give, give them some love because also the, these grots look absolutely fucking fantastic. Excuse my language. Um, <laughs> they do, though. They, they uh, are... Oh, they're beautiful. Uh. I think as well is that I think they were very unexpected. Of all the Warcry mm. warbands, oh, yeah. sorry, Warcry, Warhammer Underworlds <laughs> warbands. See, they use warbands for both of this. It makes it confusing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that I, I was surprised that I, this is not what I was going to... Actually, probably, this is probably the last thing I expected, actually. But like mm. the thing I said on Discord, that I really like the fact that 
they continue with, the, with this beast theme as well for it. You know, the, mm. the, the, mm. and, and it now shows what are they going to do next? That's why I'm hoping oh, they do yeah. a Seraphon warband mm. as well. You know, it, it could be very cool. Please, Seraphon warband. <laughs> I need, new, I need, I need a new Croxagor. <laughs> yes, I, yeah. They're so they look so good in Total War, and yeah. the old ones are the old ones are pretty great, but they're not that good. They're not as good <laughs> as the ones in Total War. That's how good they could be. Uh, but actually, yeah, no, spe- like, it's I was going to say, speaking of Total War, actually, just this is a slight tangent. Ooh, yeah. That if you get this month's White Dwarf, you get the code for Gotrek and Felix in Total mm. Warhammer Two. So yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're not into White Dwarf, but as I said, there is a code that comes with this <laughs> month's edition. So and if that's of interest, check voiced, it out. <laughs> Godric is voiced by Brian Blessed in the video game as well. Is he actually? Apparently. Yeah. Is he? Apparently. Oh wow, that's yeah. amazing. I didn't know that. That's actually really good. I'm not sure how much you could uh how much you can hear him in Total War. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, I'm sure if it's Brian Blessed, you would hear him over every oh, bit yeah. of fighting. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> o- over the clash of axe against shield, you will hear him <laughs> yelling and screaming about oaths. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, and also talking of uh, Beastgrave, that I think it's, from memory, it's up for pre-order on the 23rd. So mm. I expect yeah. it to come out on the 30th. I think that's, oh, I think that's I've got exciting. my dates right there. This yeah. is very exciting. Um, oh no no! It that, wouldn't be twenty third. It'd be sorry, twenty oh, yeah, first. So it'd be the yeah. So tw- yeah, because that's next Saturday comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really. I might have to get the starter box for this because I, I actually quite enjoy Warhammer Underworlds. I just don't ever get the chance to play it. But mm-hmm. like Beastmen box, great because I, I want to do more Beastmen for my Head Knights now that I've actually given Head Knights a go. And then if it's the Beastman and the Kanothi in the box, I just want the Kanothi. They're awesome. Um. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm totally on board. Actually, at work, me and Martin were saying we're probably going to get a copy each of it. <laughs> we're like, mm. let's go. Oh, let's, yeah, absolutely. Let's put an order in. <laughs> let's buy Beastgrave each. <laughs> so uh, so that's already cool. Um, mm. Right. So changing up a bit, um, something that has been revealed in the last couple of days, which we saw ages ago, uh, or yes. relatively ages ago is uh, mm. the belisarius call novel is up for pre-order or about to be one of the two yeah uh the great work i'm really interested in this one to be honest mm. i i have high yeah. hopes for this book oh because yeah obviously call has been a bit of a mysterious figure you know in in recent times obviously he's the uh mm. the priest tech priest or <laughs> that's in charge of or <laughs> of bringing the primaris into the world um but i and mm. obviously if you've read dark imperium um especially yeah he's uh, he's a bit shady in that or at least his um <laughs> his uh i suppose his his ai is uh um, yeah yeah i don't can't remember what, what well, he's, no, what he's it, referred to remember it, it's not an ai it's a series of pre-programmed responses to oh questions yes call you you would ask <laughs> call has spent the last ten thousand years cataloging every possible response to every possible question gilliman could ever ask him yes exactly it's, it's, it's like uh it's call lesser or something like that yeah or call yeah. minor or something yeah, yeah. I, it's got, it yeah minor. I can't remember the yeah the name but yeah, but yeah it's, no. it, it's, I, I, he's so great in that a book all about him is pretty cool <laughs> yeah and it's, it's guy Haley, 
he, mm. you know, a guy who somehow managed to churn books out so damn yeah. quickly. This is like, what is this? <laughs> this is like seventh or eighth book coming out this year, it feels like. It's crazy, isn't it? And, and he, so to much. me, he never disappoints. So, I, mm. I yeah, I, I've got, as I said, I, I think that's one to keep on our radar, I think, because oh, yeah. it, it, I oh, think yeah. it's one that may, I, I think we'll wait to read it first and then maybe it's something we cover later down the line because I think it, I get. I don't know. It may be not the case, but I feel it's going to be one of those novels where it gives us a nice lot of juicy lore that yeah. uh, we would happily talk about on this show. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the last bit of news is the Horus Heresy side, which is the Demon Brutes went up for pre-order on Friday a couple of days mm-hmm. ago. Um, mm-hmm. These were shown off at Warhammer Fest, I believe. Yes, maybe they before. Were. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and from memory, you weren't keen on them, and I really liked them from memory. Yeah, I'm still not 100% on them. I, I must admit, time has mellowed me somewhat. They look <laughs> acceptable. I will not vomit at the side of them. No, no. They're, they're fine. They're just really... I feel they're still really not for me. And I feel the problem is I like chaos personified, and these things are just chaos, not generic. really personified, yeah. like chaos generic, which is fine. I, I really like the Furies in Warcry, for example. Those are great. They've been redone. I just feel... These are a little too generic, and I can't I can't tell what it is about them that's not screaming Warhammer to me, like every <laughs> other Games Workshop or Forge World release does these days. Um, they're they're fine. I will. I can't say I'll ever buy any, but if I come into possession of some, I'm sure I could do something with them. But, <laughs> sure uh, <you> could. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 still still not for me. But happy yeah, for those who like them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, actually, that's that's actually something I was going to talk about because I I did a bit of looking around after seeing these because uh, in my sort of naivety when it comes to Horus Heresy, I didn't realise mm. that Demons of the Ruined Storm Storm was an actual army yet. I oh yeah. You know, I, yeah, I knew it. I knew it was a thing. As in, I didn't. I thought it was something that was coming in the future. As in, it, I didn't mm. realise it was in the last book, the book eight yeah. of the heresy uh, rule book. So that was again, that was just my naivety. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll I'll, I'll look in. What 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 is a Demons of the Ruined Storm army? You know, just mm. out of pure curiosity. So I started you know looking around, looking on Reddit, looking on the forums, and just seeing you know look on the website. Um, obviously, yeah. and obviously. If you go on the Forge World website and look under them, you, you obviously you haven't got many options, really. And so, yeah. obviously, that's the key thing when it comes to Demons of the Ruined Storm is that you're pretty, you know, open to what you can use because there's no real official models, you know, apart from one or yeah. two. Yeah, So, obviously, that's good in one sense because, obviously, it means you can, you know, you can, like I said, you can create what you want them to be. And I think from what I understand is the book also tells you the base size you know so again it gives you an mm, idea of what mm. you should be roughly using and obviously i think if you go to various websites they throw suggestions of you know this would be a good version for the brutes this would be yeah, a good version for yeah. lesser demons i mean you can use the obvious ones like plague bearers and blood letters and stuff but one thing that sort of shocked me when i was sort of looking around and actually really i probably shouldn't be too shocked because obviously horus heresy as a game is seen as a very you know, military history type of game compared to yeah, sort of 40k. Yeah. But um, one thing that, like I said, I was just sort of slightly taken aback by was obviously people were, you know, on forums and such like and Reddit are showing off their, oh, well, you know, for lesser demons, I decided mm. to use these models and, you know, I did this. Like, I think one, like a few people have used Nighthaunt, for example, done a bit of, a bit of kit bash and a bit of converting and thought, well, you know, they're spirits, they're early demons, mm. you know, and, mm. you know, and, 
But what, what, hor- not hor- well, what I said, what te- <laughs> took me aback was pe- some people's reaction to it. People were very yeah. scathing of what people oh. are trying. You know, like, you know, there's mm. sort of one thing saying, oh, I'm not sure if that works. You know, okay, that's just an opinion. Whereas some people are very like, no, get this off our forum. You shouldn't be putting mm. AOS models on our uh, forum. It's like, uh, uh, no, I think that, you know what I mean? it was, And people go, no, these mm. look terrible. Why are you even using them? You know, it's sort of like yeah. people go, you know, going really sort of passionately, you know, aggressive towards the, these mm. these people. And I was quite taken aback by it, really. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, I, mean, it's just, I, I mean, I know it's all people are passionate about things. It was just a bit... Yeah, just a bit. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's a shame because I feel like part of that actually may be because the Horus Heresy is very set in stone. Like we feel, (laughs) we know this is exactly what happened. These are the exact sides. Like this is one of the errors of forty of the forty k setting that is so like well documented. You could probably do like precise numbered troop movements for the majority of the (laughs) conflict across a galactic map or something. (laughs) But like all that means is that it's more effort and more passion to be creative in that setting and if someone's showing that level of creativity and passion experimenting in in a game where you're working with forge world stuff 90 percent of it doesn't exist or is very hard to get hold of mm-hmm. like you i feel people should applaud that and it'd be like it's interesting i've not seen or heard of anyone playing a demons of the rune storm army but their rules seem interesting <laughs> Yeah. I've seen somewhere where, like, if you earn any victory points, you lose you, by the end of the game. If you have any victory points, you've lost the game. But if you have exactly zero because you can lose and gain victory points over the game through their rules, you win no matter what. <laughs> because you've maintained the balance of the ruined storm yeah, across yeah. the galaxy and stuff yeah. like that. Like, there's all this really cool, interesting stuff. And I feel just because it's unsupported apart from these three brute models currently... Mm-hmm. doesn't mean people aren't allowed to be creative and attempt to use what sounds like a cool army in an otherwise very similar game. Like, uh, people say Horus Heresy is balanced and good because it's just basically Marines versus Marines, but sure, it's good that, that, that that's balanced, but, like, people can want for something else in that setting. <laughs> yeah, of course they should. Yeah, I, I, was just, mm. I was just a bit frustrated because I just mm. think, well, the one thing I love about this hobby is the fact that, you know, we should, we can all do what we want, you know, putting aside yeah. tournaments and, you know, where it has actual rules. But I think, you know, from a hobby perspective, you know, knock yourself out, do, you know, do what, you know, if it's, you know, mm. as long as you're not sort of doing this lesser demon is the size of a, a bloodthirster. It was like, well, clearly yeah. that doesn't work, yeah. you know, the, the base size and everything. That's, that's <laughs> a different thing. But if you're making something, you think, yeah, you know, this is around the right base size aesthetically, mm. you know, I don't think this is far different. I'm going to tweak them a bit here. Then, to, you know, you can do what you want, really. It's no one, mm. you know, it's no one's oh, place yeah. to tell you how to do it. It's, mm. it's, yeah, I was just <laughs> a bit, I mean, to be fair, there was some positivity as well. I was just, it was oh, the yeah. amount of negativity that I was sort of quite genuinely shocked about, but I suppose, you know, that's just the way it is out there, I think. Mm. <laughs> so, but yeah, like I said, the Demon Brutes are up for pre-order. Um, bit expensive. Um, mm. I mean, it's Forge World, but they're, I think, about £74 for the three of them, so they're a expensive but you know i suppose if you like mm. them i do i mean i'm not going to buy them but <laughs> I, I can appreciate them so yeah they're out or will be out soon anyway <laughs> uh so right i think that's it for the news that's so uh, we've had a nice little 
bit of everything this time. Um, we'll take our next little break, and then when we return, we'll carry on planning our book of 101 Ways to <laughs> Impress the Three-Eyed King. <laughs> yeah. <Back> soon. <laughs> and we're back. Time to do the main law topic of this episode, which, as we mm-hmm. said earlier, is we're basically going to do the sort of second part of our war cry uh, thing that we did a few episodes ago, because obviously we covered the actual war cry rule book, as in from the law perspective. Um, obviously, mm. naturally, because it's a rule book, it was a bit light on the ground when it comes to the law. So we, you know, we thought, you know what, let's we need to expand on this. So what we've chosen to do for this episode is Cameron has read the War Cry anthology by various authors, and I have read Scourge of Fate by friend of the show Robbie McNiven. Um, which mine is more obviously geared towards the Varen Guard side of things and the Varen Spire, whereas obviously Cameron's is based around, obviously, hopefully, the Warcry Warbands. Um, <laughs> as far as I know, we've not read each other's book, so I've not nope. read the anthology, you've not read <laughs> Scourge of Fate, so... Nope, nope. Uh, <laughs> and so um, so what we thought we would do is sort of basically have a, have a chat about what sort of what info we've gleaned from this. So, I mean, obviously, we'll mention parts of the various stories inevitably, so... From now on, spoiler warning, if you're going to read either of these two novels, that's what's going to happen. But like I said, we'll just see what, you know, like what interesting, you know, uh, you know information we can we can get from these novels, really, and think, oh, I didn't know yeah. that, you know, yeah. et cetera. Um, so, yeah, so Cameron, when it comes to the War Cry anthology, do you want to explain the sort of the format of it, how it, you know, like what, yeah. how, many, how much was in there, who was covered, et cetera? Because I, I personally mm. don't know much about it okay yeah yeah uh so the Warcry anthology has six short stories by a variety of authors and they each cover one of the main six warbands initially uh sold out with the game so you know you got your cypher laws your untamed beasts etc etc mm-hmm. um and m- also importantly uh almost everyone <laughs> features one of the other warbands as antagonists so you get to see you get to see each warband from both a positive and a negative light, sort of like based on who's doing the viewing effectively. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, for example, you get a fair bit of the Corvus Cabal's enemies, and then you get the Corvus Cabal's view of themselves, and it's really interesting to see sort of the culture behind what sort of comes out mid-battle. Uh, so, you know, you see... Um, the Cypher Lords trying to deal with the Corvus Cabal, and they're all always tricksy. They're floating around. You can never quite pin them down. And they see the Corvus Cabal side of things. They all roost together. Like, they they are much more communal than the other warbands and stuff like this. It's really interesting. And I think it was a really good idea because it... Uh, brain. Uh, brain words. Uh, it <laughs> <laughs> Brain words. Uh, it really gets you into the culture of each warband because each warband is... Very different, obviously, in terms of their just overall look and overall themes and stuff, but in terms of how they interact with each other and with the world around them, every warband is really, really unique, and each of these short stories digs really well, I feel, into that sort of overarching difference between the bands, uh, which is really great. Uh, it was a good yeah. read, and uh, I recommend people get around to it if they can. Okay, that sounds cool. It's... It sounds like I, what it was. I was hoping it to be. <laughs> mm, yeah. um, I mean, was there any that stood out to you particularly? Uh, there were a few that I particularly liked. Um, the one of the ones I really liked was actually the first one, which was. Uh, let me just open up the thing so I can see the title. <laughs> 
it was a da, 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 there we go. It was the Harrower by David Annandale, mm-hmm. uh, which is about the uh, oh god, what are they called? The um, my brain has just turned off. Uh, <laughs> You're thinking of roast dinner, un- aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got a burnt tongue. Uh, no, it's about the unmade. Uh, oh, okay. it's from their yeah. perspective. Yeah, it's really interesting. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's really good. Uh, they are. It, it covers a band of unmade on a quest to find the holy tower of their people somewhere in the Bloodwind Spoil. Okay. Um, and it's really, really interesting because when you look at the unmade, like you just look at them, you're like, these are a bunch of complete psychopaths. <laughs> and the important thing is they are, but there's a lot more social interaction than their Silent Hill looks would imply. Like, there's a whole social hierarchy. Like, they, okay. they, they still have relationships. They know, they know each other well. They make friendships. They make enemies within their own people. Like, they're not just weird, faceless monster people. Like, they, they are <laughs> people. With, again, this is one of the things I really like that Age of Sigmar is doing with Chaos is it's giving Chaos a human face. Uh, which is very ironic in the case of the unmade, obviously. Um, <laughs> <Certainly>. <laughs> but no, it, again, and this book is fantastic for that because the, you know, Warcry comes out like, yeah, look at these cool guys. They got sickle hands and they cut bits off themselves because they like pain. Yeah, very cool. And then you see them from their own perspective and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a blessed one. I'm blissful because I've lost my arms and legs. And they've been replaced with these big meat hooks. And, like, I am... I know that because of this, I survived this. I'm chosen. I'm great. And I still have to work with the people around me, though. I have to keep their spirits up. I have to make sure they don't try and challenge me for leadership. All that kind of thing. Like, there is Mm. so much going on under the surface, in particular with the Unmade. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, My other one that I really liked um, was... It was the Eight-Tailed Naga, uh, which is, <laughs> as the name would suggest, about the splintered fang. Um, and that one was really interesting because it shows your sort of complete journey as a member of the splintered fang from not being in the splintered fang to being very important in the splintered fang. Um, because, uh, as spoilers for this, splintered fang recruitment methods are kind of brutal, apparently. Okay. <laughs> so what yep. happens is you go to bed. And then you wake up in a pit full of, full of snakes. <laughs> and if you survive being bitten by the biggest, baddest snake in there, you're a splintered fang now. No questions, no who's or what's. You can't protest. You're one of them. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's cause the main character is a corn cultist who lives out in the Bloodwind spoil with his family on a ranch. And he wakes up with his wife in a snake pit going, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> And he gets bitten by this enormous snake and somehow survives the horrific agonies of the venom. And through that, he's changed and he doesn't want to be part of the Splinter Fang, but he's got nowhere else to go. They burned down his homestead. So he has to tag along with them. And as he sort of spends more time with them, the venom turns out of these long lasting effects. It changes him, makes him more like amenable to being part of this group. And like, you know, he eventually is full on with the idea of going on with their holy quest for this creature called the Eight-Tailed Naga, which is this supposedly a creature so venomous it could wipe out the world. And, you know, (laughs) obviously they're looking for it because they're the Splintered Fang. Um, But, you know, it it was really interesting seeing 
again, also that one gave a face to generic chaos as well. This was just a normal guy. He lived out in the Bloodwind Spoil, again, on a ranch, effectively. <laughs> like, he he was a farmer. He was a farmer dedicated to corn and not the normal... <laughs> 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 yeah, um, but yeah, but he, you know, he, he's a chaos cultist, but he's also just this farmer. He lives out there. He lives with his wife, with his parents-in-law, and stuff like that. And you know, he loves his wife. She's beautiful. She's a killer. He loves her because she loves corn more than she loves him, and that's why he <laughs> married her because she was this beautiful, this beautiful paragon of devotion to the dark gods. And it it was just fantastic, you know, like. You know, they're in the snake pit and she wakes him up because, of course, she woke up first. She has a knife somehow, even though they had all their weapons taken away. Because, of course, she does. She's devoted to God. Cool. That's a good thing to be. You know, like, she's pious. And, like, just seeing, seeing like, this, what some would consider a very normal rural family, except instead of going to church, they flay people alive on an altar. <laughs> <laughs> was really interesting and then going from there and going going from them and they consider themselves normal to seeing one of them being sort of forced into what they would consider a cult mm. like here are these people who are obviously psychopathic cultists one of them's being indoctrinated into something they call a cult <laughs> like it was really cool uh it was really interesting as well um again they're all really good um one of them is by Josh Reynolds. He focuses on the Iron Golems, and mm-hmm. I feel he really sells that sort of legionary feel. Like, they feel like, not like a war band and not like a cult. They feel like an army. Right. Is what okay. they feel like. Okay, like, interesting. Yeah. I, I, w- I would put it this way. Each war band feels like something different. The Unmade feel like, a, a, I would call a generic cult. Like, there's cult hierarchy. They are still people, but they are, like, they are, they are rapturous. They are like deluded about certain things about the world. And that's where they draw their strength from. The unma- uh, the untamed beasts are tribal. They are literally just a barbarian tribe, which is cool when they talk about it. Iron golems are an army. Like they are, they are literally like a Roman legion, but they, you know, bring ogres along and stuff like that as well. Uh, which is very cool. Um, the cypher lords are sort of a secret society kind of thing. Very mm. cool. Um, the Corvus Cabal are, kind of like i would call it a communist assassination guild i feel is the best way to sell that (laughs) one (laughs) right they 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 share everything to the point where like if you get wet while you're out running on the rooftops when you come back to the roost you pull your clothes off and there's this mound of dry clothes that belong to other people in the corvus cabal you just pick them up and put them on because you share everything you know that kind of thing and also it makes you harder harder to identify individuals and stuff like that. But, you know. Uh, and then I would say the um, the Splintered Fang are a religion. Yeah. Like, they they are not fanatical in the same way the Unmade are. So, they're more structured. But they are still, like, seeking that higher power above everything else. Whereas the Unmade are just seeking that higher power. But they're completely nuts. They just don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot of great stuff, like. Going back to the unmade one, um, my favorite thing is the blissful one, who is the focus story. She became a blissful one because they were attacked by the undead, a vampire leading zombies and direwolves and stuff. Uh, she let a direwolf bite her leg off to kill it and then hopped up behind the vampire on her bloody stump and killed the vampire. And that's <laughs> what made her important enough to become a blissful one. <laughs> like, she's like, they really lean into like the pain. The pain is their power. Like their, mm. their strength is they can go through things and 
find strength in things that other people would find completely debilitating. Mm. Uh, but they're also completely nuts about it. Like they're, they're obviously crazy, but it's what makes them so great. They're like, yeah, no, this is the way things are. Pain is the best thing in the world. You've given me a gift by biting my leg off. <laughs> just, oh, so, is, so does it, does it feel with all these war bands that the, their sort of mm. theme is sort of so, uh, so integrated with them that it's just the norm as such. So, you know, like you say, yeah. you're talking about the unmade that obviously for, for, as an outsider, they look crazy, but they're, mm. it's perfectly normal to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely normal for them to do really weird things. Like, it, a thing they do is if they kill you, they don't do anything that will kill you immediately. Like, they, they will inflict mortal wounds and then leave you there, like, in the corner suffering. <laughs> because <laughs> from their point of view, they've given you a gift. Like, it is cruel right. to give someone a quick death because they don't get to experience it fully. Like one, one of the worst things that happens is like someone gets poisoned because they're fighting against the splintered fang. And like one of the army gets poisoned and dies in seconds. And she is furious because that person was good. They, they were like, they were devoted and everything. They devoted their whole life to the pursuit of pain. Mm -hmm. And although their death was very painful, it took like five seconds. That's wrong. It should take an hour minimum. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, also, mm. I was going to ask is, does, how do the gods play into these war bands? Obviously, you mentioned Corn, mm. etc. Like, and obviously, knowing that obviously Archaon and is you know a go- chaos undivided, etc. Yeah. So, how, yeah. how do the how do they play into that? Uh, it is interesting. Each war band obviously has a different view on it, um, and some of them you get the feeling they're not actually very interested in the chaos gods. Uh, for mm-hmm. example, the I- the Iron Golems. Again, they're an army, they're focused, they're, they're more focused on what their direct superiors are telling them. They're not like, we're doing this for chaos, we're doing this because this is our way of life, we're soldiers, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some for whom it is the worship of chaos undivided, which is important. For example, the Cypher Lords are spreading chaos for the sake of chaos to attract the attention of chaos as a whole. Right. That's, a, that's the most time I said chaos in one sentence, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like, and then you have the warbands with more specific gods. So, for example, the Corvus Cabal worship the Great Gatherer, and mm-hmm. they have all their traditions around that. They have something called the Pick, uh, which is whenever you kill someone, you have to take something valuable from them, and you don't keep it. When you get back to the roost, you put it on this altar, this hoard of stuff, and then the leader of the Corvus Cabal group you're in will sort of sanctify these and give their spirits to the Great Gatherer and then will distribute those out to who needs them the most. So if you bring come back with a fancy magical sword, you give it up to the pick and then the current leader of the Corvus Cabal group might go, that's wonderful, the Great Gatherer has taken this as part of its hoard. For now, while it's stuck in this mortal realm, we'll give this to our guy who's really good in hand-to-hand combat. That kind of stuff. Right. Like, all that kind of stuff. Um, the Splinter Fang are similar. They're pursuing a particular religious ideology. They're, they're more religious about it. Like the pick stuff feels more like a tradition that they go yeah. through uh, because they do still use the things eventually. Uh, whereas the Splinter Fang are much more religiously worshipful kind of focus kind of thing. Um, brain. Uh, the Untamed <laughs> Beasts actually aren't a massive fan of the gods as far as I can tell. 
because their story is all about... So the thing the Untamed Beasts want to do is they're very much like the Beast Men. They want to tear down all the trappings of order and civilization. But the the big realization in that story is that even chaos is an organization and hierarchy. Yeah, when the last when the last tower falls, when the last crown has fallen to the ground unworn, chaos itself must be torn to the ground for the land to be whole wholly savage and untamed. Like mm-hmm. they 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 are more concerned with the material world's freedom from any kind of organization. Which is really was really an interesting thing as well. Like that that story was also great. The Untamed Beast one was also fantastic. They're all really good. Um, yeah, I signed it. <laughs> yeah, and then and then like the unmade again don't worship a particular god. They worship an ancestor, which is interesting because their their sort of traditional tale of where the unmade came from is there was one of them one day who was the king and brought their gift of becoming like blissful and unmade to everyone in his kingdom, and then he disappeared off into the eight points. And that's why they're going out looking for relics he's left behind and stuff like that. They don't, right. they're not looking for the gods specifically. They're looking for like their ancestor. Hmm. Uh, I forget his specific, he's, he's the something king. Might be, might be the undying <laughs> king. I don't know. He, he's a something, he's a something or other. Um, so again, really cool. And it's just, it's getting that, getting your teeth in that culture, I think mm-hmm. is really nice. Again, faith, giving faces to chaos. Something I'm always here for. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Yeah, it sounds like the culture is a big theme across these novels because mm. mm. I suppose it's getting away from the fact that not everything chaos is about slaughter and killing. I mean, obviously that is a big part of what chaos does, <laughs> but <laughs> as we know, yeah, but yeah. Um, I mean, and that's something I'm going to talk about when I talk about Scourge of Fate, where there's you, you're actually surprised, or and I don't know if it's the same with you, but in, when I was mm. reading my novel, it it sort of, I was really surprised at the amount of time thinking this is actually very normal. <laughs> like, you know, mm. I know they are chaos because, because I think it's so easy to get to have this misconception that chaos are just sort of slathering, you know, bloodthirsty yeah. idiots yeah. that just, just, you know, slaughter, kill, and then just go to, I mean, that is mm. obviously part of it, but it, it's not about that. There is culture. And in, in theory, mm. especially the human, you know, which may, you know, all these war bands are effectively, they're all human. They're just, yeah you know ultimately the only difference is they they s- support a different theory and different gods mm. at the end of the day yeah. but fundamentally yeah. they're still the same they still they're not they're not brain dead they're not they you know no, they still have no. to work in the same way that a order you know community mm. would there's mm. no real difference it's just obviously like oh, yeah. said their culture yeah. is different mm. and and that's yeah. not far different to real life you know, it, you oh, know yeah, it's still the same absolutely. thing it's just different mm. just different ways of living and and different ide- mm. you know ideals at the at the end oh, of the yeah, day yeah. so it's, yeah so i mean so so did you find <laughs> that that culture was a big thing throughout these novels? yeah oh novels? yeah absolutely yeah yeah absolutely like it is it is really getting to know them and I feel it is super important. As you said, chaos is not this slavering multitudinous horde of just faceless barbarians. It is all people from all walks of life can fall to chaos. And it is important for chaos to be a real threat in the Age of Sigma setting in particular to have that be well known. 
Mm. Because otherwise, it's just like, yeah, if we can beat Archeon back to the eight points, if we can slaughter his armies, we've won. And it's like, yeah, we won, we won. Uh, but what about the guy <laughs> who just who just systematically got your entire system of government cor- addicted to a corruptive substance <laughs> for the kicks, yeah. and then yeah. toss that then toss that substance into the local water supply mm-hmm. because because you know he has to do his he has to do his devotions. Like this is this is how he goes about religion. Like it, it is understanding that in a world where you might live one day longer if you cut someone's heart out and give it to some unknown dark entity in exchange for like sustenance to last you through to the next day. That's not the craziest choice to make in this no, world where no, you know like no. demigods made of lightning ride down from heaven to punish <laughs> you for your sins. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, like, and that's the thing is, mm. it, it's also, you know, you you've got to remember that the the forces and people of chaos will have their doubts. They will have mm. their moments where they start thinking, "Oh, we," you know, it's not because I think sometimes when you look at this sort of good guy, bad guy sort of mindset, which is dangerous in Warhammer because that's not mm. how to mm. look at things good, you know, good and bad, etc. But if you take that mindset, especially when you're looking at chaos, is that you think, like I said, they're so driven with their hatred that that's it. Mm. You know, they never doubt themselves. They never do that. You know, yes, again, there'll be characters and people that will be like that. They don't mm. doubt themselves, but, and they don't, you know, they're, they're all they're there for to do is to create war. Whereas a lot of them, are, like you said, are just trying to live day by day. But within mm. their community, within their culture, which you know, for for could be a lot more dangerous. But then, is it more dangerous than you know in the order societies? You know, you're mm. you're still having mm. to deal with, you know, because you know people are corrupt anyway. You know, so at the end oh, of the yeah. day, yeah. It, it doesn't that doesn't mean they have to. They're sort of praying to the the, the dark gods of chaos. They could mm. just be a nasty person. <laughs> they just you know oh, could, yeah. you could have a, yeah. a nasty you know leader of a of a city or a town. And it doesn't mean they, you know, they could just be corrupt because they're greedy and put and be mm, very oppressive. Mm. That's no different. Um, yeah, I just think that that's a key thing to always remember when it comes to chaos, really. Um, mm. But yeah. it definitely sounds like these novels or short stories seem to hit on that, which is great, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. You know, it's the, the human side of, of things. Mm. Is. Yeah. And it, yeah. I know I'm, I'm slightly going off tangent here, but it's like when, like <laughs> I said earlier, when I, that's why I like reading the the books that are around chaos space marines like are like mm, black legion yeah. talon the horse etc where you're seeing then their normal side like the mm. i'm not trying to you know kill everyone that prays to the false emperor yeah, you know yeah. all the time what, I, just what's their day-to-day <laughs> normality yeah you know, yeah yeah what, what's abaddon's <laughs> sunday morning look like <laughs> exactly read the newspaper you know get his minions to uh clean the talon and then he goes yeah. for a nice run you know, so it so keeps keeps him going after all these failed crusade, you know, black crusades previously. Um, Ten tips for living ten thousand years in the war. Yeah, Doctors, exactly. apothecaries hate him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sounds like a new yeah. Abaddon defies logic. <laughs> Nine out of ten apothecaries don't want to deal with him. <laughs> read, read more inside. Oh man! <laughs> no, but that's what it's like, and I I love mm. this, and I know this yeah. sounds bad, but considering Warhammer is a lot about fighting and war, but I personally love yeah, reading yeah. about the non-war stuff, the the way they mm. interact with each other, their, their sort of traditions and, and things like that. And yeah, mm. it sounds like you get plenty of it in the uh, the Warcry anthology. That sounds mm. really cool. Um, is there any other sort of particular highlights you remember from reading? Um, 
I mean, I, I would say any other particular highlights are sort of like cool lines or cool like action moments and stuff like that. But for me, really, really, I feel like I'm hammering this home too much, but really getting this impactful sense for like the culture and society of each warband and of the the spoil itself is really cool and really interesting. Um, I will say, actually, there is one cool thing, which is um, in the Untamed Beast story, part of it revolves around hunting a gore drake named Harrow, which uh, is basically a big lizard that its thing is it bleeds constantly. And so to regenerate all that lost blood, it has to eat constantly. And it's just this cursed, corn-blessed thing wandering <laughs> through the forests of the Bloodwind Spoil. And its trick is, everyone goes, it's a big, dumb beast. It's covered in these hard scales, but it's got these gills on its neck that are its weak point. Um, but its thing is, Harrow was probably not always a Gordrake, because uh, it... It knows its weakness is that it's a big, dumb beast with one obvious weak point, and so it uses that to trap people and eat them, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> and like that, that, that whole sequence is great. It's like the forest recoils around it because the forest knows this is like the alpha predator. The trees literally shuffle back out of the way and stuff like that <laughs> to like give it room because they don't want to be broken down by its tail and things like that. And as the, the untamed beast uh, tribe member is hunting it, he has to be sure to always be moving because if you're a lesser predator and you stand still to wait in ambush, this forest actually ambushes you. Like the vines wrap around your feet and <laughs> pull you into a tree to be like devoured by the trees because you're taking your time. You're not proving that you're in control enough. Mm. And like, yeah, that, that, that was cool. That, that sort of hunt sequence through part of the Bloodwind Spoil. And you know, like the Bloodwind Spoil stuff in general, like you get a feeling for like Karngrad, that city there. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. but a lot, a lot of the rest of it is this place is weird and messed up. And here's <laughs> some weird and messed up geography. Like, and, and it earns its name as well. There's a lot of blood rain going on. Oh, nice. Got yeah. a bit of that. Yeah. Well, like it, it, it's like an it's like a thing. Like people look up and like there's these red clouds gathering everyone in Congress. Like, well, time to close all the windows and put a bucket under the drip in the roof again. Bloodstorm's coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. I mean, Must be did you, I was gonna, one thing I was going to actually say <laughs> as well is: is there any sort of I suppose any connection to Warcry itself, or is it all? Does it is it more focused about these sort of separate quests and tasks they're doing? Or does well, it actually relate to Archaon I mean, and, and everything? I mean, they are they are all pushing to gain recognition by Archaon. That that's a big thing. Like, it's not always the the character whose point of view we're reading from, but there is always someone who goes, "We're doing this to get Archaon's attention." Mm -hmm. Like, um, God, with the uh, da 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 da. da um, brain stopped working again i'm uh, very smart <laughs> all like these that. war bands <laughs> uh, <laughs> all these war bands um just opened excel by accident go away excel there we go um <laughs> uh with the untamed beast story uh in particular the the point of view character really doesn't give a toss about archaeon um but the tribal leader is trying his very best to gain archaeon's attention and that is sort of the like the, the inciting incident here is he clashes with the unmade. Um, okay. and like our, our main character in that story is basically one of the planes runners, the little, the little dudes. He's literally called the runt. 
and like people tease him <laughs> because he's smaller and weaker than the other tribe members and he, he knows he has been specifically brought from Gur to the to the Bloodwind spoil to be cannon fodder because if he dies first that means the chief didn't die first <laughs> <laughs> and like his whole thing is he proves himself beyond that and he tries to grow beyond that and everything and like but like, yeah there's, there's always someone if it's not the main character it's someone near them pushing for recognition by Archeon through their deeds in the bloodwind spoil so yeah it, mm-hmm. it is i would say directly tied it is each of these is basically a little war cry campaign of its own is what i would right, say that sounds cool yeah yeah like like with the number of clashes going on throughout i would say you could easily dot this out as like a four step campaign instead of one of the nine step campaigns in the book mm-hmm. like you know you go here you fight this lot in this kind of looking location you go here fight this lot find out this thing pick up this important artifact or whatever and you get to your eventual goal whether that be start the forges again or become a leader <laughs> of the untamed beasts or find or find the eight-tailed naga uh for the splendid fang etc etc like it that they've got those arcs and i feel they are very much just yeah that that that's where the game comes in it is the yeah. overall story yeah. yeah no that sounds good because it sounds like it's it's sort of making up the the sort of gap between when you know obviously when we covered the what we saw in the rule book because like we said mm. at the time that you know all these warbands are sound really interesting and but it always felt like well i really want to know a bit more about them and it sounds yeah, like this yeah. anthology does give you you know a little little bit more of each warband and mm. i definitely want to now read it <laughs> after listening to yeah. what you said yeah <laughs> Cool. Okay. Shall I talk about Scourge of Fate? Yeah. Please tell me everything. I've I've talked far too long. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's fine. Um, So, yeah, Scourge of Fate by Robbie McNiven. It's a really good novel. Really, really good. I mean, I I like his stuff anyway. And that's not biased because he's been on the show. (laughs) It's, It's really good because it reminds me of the old world in some ways. Uh, because mm. it's very focused, obviously, on the Varangard, which obviously an Archaeon, and or, and the fact it focuses on like this mm. fights later where they're fighting the Free Guild, but it doesn't feel far different to fighting the Empire, really. You know, yes, you have got AOS components, like you've got a Lord Ordinator in there, for mm. example, a Gaunt Summoner has an appearance. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is it's still AOS, but you know when you're thinking. This doesn't feel very far from, you know, a Warhammer fantasy mm. novel, and that's a good thing. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, yeah, the focus of this novel as a whole is it's quite simple, really. Um, basically, you've got Vanek, mm. uh, who's a black pilgrim, and he is aspiring to be part of the Varangard. And basically, the novel focuses on you, you know, his journey to get there, basically. Mm. Yeah. And, So if I give a quick run of the story, then I'll try and pick out, you know, the interesting Mm -hmm. bits that uh, focus on. Uh, So, yeah, so, so effectively he, you know, goes on this, on this quest. He's, and the the key thing to understand is that uh, to be part, so when you're a black pilgrim, you're under someone's, you know, tutorage of sorts. And, you know, you're, you know, you're a, a, uh, what's the, what's the, um, uh, what's the Star Wars comparison with jedi what's it called um uh, you're a padawan padawan, padawan. that's mm. it that's what i'm looking for yeah it's the equivalent <laughs> it feels like that basically you're a chaos mm. padawan basically <laughs> uh, and i mean you know that, to get to that point obviously you're no uh you're no slouch you know from vanek's point of view he's a chaos warlord he's been fighting for years he goes under many names you know his his reputation throughout 
you know, the, the chaos realm is, you know, unparalleled, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But it, the one thing it does highlight is how much on a, on a different level the Varangard are, you know, cause you've mm. got to remember this is a, this is a guy that's won many battles and, and has done it for many years. And yet, you know, he's, he's having to go <laughs> through a very ambitious trial to get to the chance to become part of the Varangard. But, mm. you know, the more you understand, the more it makes sense. So, you know, so from his, from his perspective, you know, he's doing everything he can to impress. But the, the one thing to, to understand, like I said, is the, the sort of the hierarchy really. So, you know, in the context of this, he's got, like I said, he's got a Varangard, uh, like I said, mentor, which is, um, I think Carrick's Demon Flayer, lovely name. And she, so she's, you know, uh, obviously on his case a lot of the time trying to get him to prove himself. <laughs> and effectively she reports to, the Lord of the particular circle within the Varenspire. So now the way the Varenspire works is mm. the, well, the way the novel puts it across. So obviously the Varenspire is the, you know, the realm of Archaeon and the Varengard. Now it's obviously a massive city of sorts with, you know, obviously a huge spire. And, but one thing to understand is that there's m- multiple circles within um, within the city. So like territory, mm. I would probably the better way yeah. to put it. They're called circles, but it's yeah. like a part of territory that, that is basically run by a particular part of the Varangard. So like, mm. so the, you know, so the fifth circle is run by the fifth part of the Varangard and they're, and like, you know, in the context of this, they're the hunters of the Varangard. But then like in comparison, you'll have another circle that's run by the seventh part of the Varangard. You know, mm. it's almost like they're, mm. they're almost like regiments effectively that yeah. they, uh, they run particular part of the, these circles. But it's funny because also they come across as a unified force, but they have their own allegiances and rivalries with the different parts. I suppose it's not far mm. different when in 40 K, when you see it with the chapters, you know, the space Marine chapters, they have their own rivalries and, and, uh, but then they have their own buddies in that, you know, in that as well. And it's, it's a similar sort of concept with the, the Varangard and it's quite interesting mm. actually, but, but the, you know, in each, each, uh, you know, each circle has got its own Lord, you know, so, uh, you mm. know, so this, the, the fifth, um, circle, it hit that, so, that, so you can imagine that this is the way the chains work and it's obviously Vanek is under the tutelage of Demon Flayer, but he's trying to mm. press the Lord that's part of the fifth because that's the one he's yeah. looking to join effectively. Ah, yeah. And, yeah. and obviously, you've got other black pilgrims as well. So, you know, one of the other things that you'll see in this novel is Vanek is, has a rival basically. Mm. And so, you know, the way the story kicks off is he ends up, uh, they're both trying to uh, obtain a demon blade, uh, which obviously is a key part okay. of becoming a Varangard as well, because obviously mm. they have like warp steel armor and demon blades, etc. So he basically comes across a Saneshi demon blade. His rival comes across a corn demon blade as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is very yep. good, obviously, and a, a very good rivalry, even amongst the demon swords as well. Um, and that's, and that's one thing that I found was really cool is obviously you got this very much this vibe of, uh, Malice Darkblade, um, mm. where you've got the mm. sword talking to him all the time, you know, which is yeah. similar to if you've ever wrote, read those novels. Again, that's where I was getting this Warhammer fantasy vibe from, mm. which is a, which is fantastic. And what was really cool as well is that the, uh, the, the, the corn, demon blade the one that his rival ends up mm. uh, getting is actually a demon from the old world called Vargan. oh 
Oh, Literally, awesome. he he is part of the <laughs> the end times, and that's why I love mm. it. I was like, oh, I love it when there's links to the past. Uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I was like, yes. Um, so yeah, Vargan is the the corn one, and Nakali is the Sinesh one that he's got. Um, mm. So effectively, you you know, and then they and then one of the one of the sort of the my favourite parts in this story is is the Varen Spire itself, because like I said to you, when they're going when he when he's you know, because basically, as you would imagine, he's got his own retinue as well, Vanek. He's got mm. the Eight Guard, mm. which is like, you know, his his version of the Varen Guard. You know, his his own sort of uh, his own bodyguards as such um, on horses. And effectively, yeah. he's he's when he's traveling or when they're traveling around the Varen Spire, um, you you see probably similar to what you've read in the Warcry anthology. You're seeing the normal stuff. You know, you've got mm. you know normal mm. people that are, that live in the Varen Spire. But there's there's children, there's old women. You know, what I mean, they're not mm. they're not all warriors. <laughs> they're not all just armored chaos knights all the time. There's norm. There's lots of normal people, but but some of some are being flayed in front of others because that's mm. part of their mm. thing. You know, they you know it's not, and they, yeah. some of it's being done against their will. Some of them are doing it willingly. You know, you've got mm. like um, oh, I need to remember. There's there's this like this arch that was made of like um sort of demon flesh and you had like yeah. you had like this corridor <laughs> that was full of armor of victims that they've killed and they've literally oh. just made the walls of the corridor yeah. in armor the, <laughs> the 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 lord of the fifth circle for example the one that vanik is trying to impress mm. he's his throne is made of sigmarite it's made from literally oh. all the stormcast they've killed and Damn. melted their armor and put it into a throne. <laughs> it's, it's like, yes, I love this that's, stuff. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's very cool indeed. You know, it's things like that. And and what mm. you see is this actual hierarchy. Like, for example, there's this moment when um, he's leaving the he's leaving to go on his quest because basically what happens in a nutshell is that he's him and his rival are sort of. Is basically the first one to come back with their sword would become part of the Varangard, but mm, that sort yeah. of doesn't happen without really sort of saying too much. Mm. And so they end up having a duel, which then ends up in a sort of a sort of a draw of sorts. Um, so yeah. he goes right, okay, then this is your task now. And this is where the Gaunt Summoner comes in. Is there's this particular free guild general who runs a, or a lord that runs a city called. I can't remember the name of the city, <laughs> uh, but he's called he's called Alamar, and uh, basically uh, he is, yeah Helmgard is the name of the city. So mm. basically, he's there's been this prophecy that's seen by the Gaunt Summoner that he this guy will effectively become a Stormcast of sorts, a powerful ah. Stormcast. He's not he's not even dead yet, but because mm. of what he's done, he's you know he's hyped up that he will become a Stormcast of of note mm. down the line when as an appropriate. So obviously they're both tasked with, uh, with uh, killing him. And the first one to bring mm. his head back becomes the Varangar. So you get this, this great rivalry okay. and, and they yeah. go off getting their retinues and things like that. Um, you've got this great sort of scene where, for example, again, talking about the hierarchy and the way that the circles work is that when Vanek is leaving, for example, some Knights of the seventh block him off and they basically offer mm. say, well, you know, our Lord has said, if you want to join the Varangard, just come on over. You know, literally, you don't need to do any, don't need to go and kill anyone. You know, you mm. can just join us. And he obviously refuses and, yeah. you know, and obviously it ends up being a bit of a test, you know, because that sort of plays later mm. in the novel. Uh, he goes to, he goes, ends up um, trying to find a, 
a uh, Deathbringer, Exalted Death mm. Deathbringer is one of the, one of the characters, and he so he goes to a Sneshi forest basically. It's a forest of flesh and things like that. Oh. It's it's I mean the the description is is glorious as you'd imagine and literally you've got like some of his retinue are being he like turns back and some of his retinue are basically uh sort of wandering off you know sort of gormless mm. looking like you know they're being <laughs> tempted off into and then disappearing and things like that and he basically comes to the the this Saneshi lord's sort of palace as such which isn't actually as Saneshi as it as he first thinks it's going to mm. be but then yeah. it's basically an orgy of demonettes and music and and everything like that but what's quite quite a key thing to actually know in this which I don't remember seeing before is the um the actual lord is a Saneshi elf not oh. he's not he's not human he's not a demon he's a he's an actual elf of mm. no real note as in he doesn't say yeah. you know, he's not a, he's not like a you know from the you know daughters of Cain or Deepkin or anything like mm. he's just a, a standard elf but yeah which I thought was quite ooh okay that's what I like mm. I like yeah. I like chaos elves <laughs> that's always a, <laughs> a cool thing to to hear about um and then obviously it ends up with a, a fight etc and that was that was very interesting as well but. Uh, but yeah, it always harks back to the sort of this, like I said, this hierarchy and sort of respect. Because the one thing to understand, and sort of similar to what you were saying earlier with the the Warcry anthology, is Vanek is very methodical in what he's doing. He he's very sure sure of himself. You know, obviously he's his one aim in life is to become a Varagon, and, and literally nothing will get in his way to do that. He he does, you know, yeah. he doesn't care how he gets there. He will get there. He's destined to do it. You know, that very mm. sort of chaotic way of looking at things. But like under him, for example, he's got a war queen that's um that's got a, a dark oath war band that sort of he's you know she's got a lot of respect for him he they're sort of they're a bit like a brother sister sort of combination but not literally yeah uh, sort yeah. of combination and you know and it's like it, it's that respect she has for him you know she may not always agree with what he has to say but the thing is what he ends up doing and especially as you get to sort of because the sort of the bigger half of the sort of second half of the novels a lot obviously a war and obviously the fight with the free guild and the Dwardin, for example uh, which really mm. excels because you can tell because obviously it's written because it's written by robbie and he's obviously got a military history background from like university and such like it really comes across when you're reading the novel you know it feels <laughs> you know he, he he's really in his element at that um like I said, when he when they're having these fight scenes, etc., it, mm. it there's so much tactics. Like Vanek is, you know, basically using deliberate tactics to sort of draw the enemies out and things like that. You know, so again, mm. it's sort of reiterating that not everyone is a slathering horde of of uh, mm. fanatical warriors. They are there. Like there's the the corn bloodbound that his his uh, his deathbringer that he's that he's friends with has you know brought with him. Yes, they are. I mean, there's a great scene where this deathbringer is literally getting hacked at and he's killing and killing and and it's great because mm. he's being seen from like an officer's point of view so an officer of the yeah. free guild is watching this like he calls him a monster and he's literally like butchering everyone in front of him and it's it's, it's it, visually it just sounds great like such a you know such a, a thematic scene and um, but you know again it always it always harks back to this sort of one drive to become the vanguard it, you're doing it to be you know to be one with the the three-eyed king to be under his you know you know this the only thing that matters and the one thing that actually really comes across a lot of the time which is what you would expect is he really really sort of disregards the sort of 
following one god because obviously mm. i said you've got corn blood band there you've got there's a zinch element there's a this great scene where you've got um it's called the the fly and the fish which is basically this one the scene where you've got knights from different you know different war bands obviously chaotic warns you've got a zinch knight of the like the silver knights against mm. the um the order of the fly which obviously we know from yeah. from other books yeah. and they have, they have like they literally have a jousting match oh yeah it's great and it and, <laughs> and it and it ends up with the with them, them sort of you know obviously knocking each off with their lances etc and then obviously mm. goes to to fight he then smashes the the, the head in of the the silver knight the zinch one he then mm. like yeah i've won and then he turns then it then it morphs into chaos spawn and eats him Oh. And then, and then everyone's like, and then it goes into it goes into literal chaos, where obviously mm. everyone in the crowd starts fighting each other because obviously it's rival <laughs> war bands. And then all of a sudden, the monster starts shrieking, and you see this axe come out of its belly, and the the the, uh, the Nurgle Lord literally mm. sort of you know cuts his way out of the the spawn's belly. <laughs> it's great. It's such a good scene. <laughs> it's that really is good. Awesome. That's it is so good. It is. There's some awesome scenes in it, but it just again it just shows that ultimately they're normal really i know what i've just said sounds mm. bizarre but mm. it, they do normal things they have jousting competitions you know yeah. and you've got a crowd of like i said of normal people with obviously war bands as well you've got a gaunt summoner which plays into it he's in he's in attendance the lords of the varangard are in attendance mm. to it you know it's it's it sort of they have quite normal traditions if yeah. admittedly a bit violent at times, a bit, yeah. you know, ending in bloodshed, <laughs> but it's not far different to what you'd expect that the free guild would be doing. And, mm. and that's the thing. It's funny that like, like when you go, going back to the free guild, when they, there's this, the big battle scene that, of the novel where they're fighting each other, it, it, it comes across like, you know, Vanek will say like the, you know, the free guild are sort of very, you know, mo- you know, robotic and methodical in the way they fight. They do, all, you know, they're they're testing the range of their guns and their cannons mm. and things like that. Mm. You know, whereas what he's done, he's brought across loads of different war bands from calling in favors from, you know, put them through the realm gate, formed a big army, mm. and just you know, taking it to them. And it's great. You see, you see some great sort of parallels and and contrast between all the different war bands that are in under him you know that again i can't name them because they're, they're all from different places with different names but you know some of them got mm. ogres with them uh you know so you've got chaotic ogres uh you know again so you've got the bloodbound there you've got riders you know you've got all sorts you've got the dark oath um mm-hmm. uh, talking of dark oath very key thing is that his um his war queen jevka like at one point she's her and her her retinue are basically struggling against these Dwadi and they're so resilient. She's really struggling mm. sort of breaking through their line. So she literally does a blood oath in front of her. She like, I think she, I have to remember, but she rips something off her, off her body, like a, you know, piece of armor mm. and sort of cuts herself and puts like, she does like a blood oath and like saying, yeah. right, I'm, you know, I'm saying now in front of all you that can hear me, I am not being pushed back one foot further you know i'm not you know and, and i you know i give my oath to you all i'm you know and that's again mm, it's just showing that mm. that dark oath element of what you know where the where the title comes from they literally will perform oaths yeah. in front of each other and things like that <laughs> and uh, yeah it's great <laughs> it's really good <laughs> it's a really good really well written novel and it's like mm. I said, it's just it, it goes at a nice pace as well. And actually, talking to pace is it, one thing I really enjoyed about it is the fact that 
everything does take a while so when they're traveling mm. they're not there going oh and within five minutes they arrived you know it's like <laughs> i went through the realm gate and ta-da <laughs> it's like it's yeah, not like that yeah they've been traveling for weeks like literally three weeks it took them from going from one place to the other and obviously mm. that's where things are starting to happen you know where they're starting to uh you know try and bring all the armies together um but like i said to you at the start is you mm. in a way you could almost think you're not reading an aos novel at times like i said it's yeah. not you know apart from the scenes where you got like i said lord ordinator and he's using his his um equipment to basically see predict because obviously the part of that is predicting what's going to happen and things like that and obviously he's basically helping the uh the free guild you know obviously with the, mm. the defense and everything and he's obviously he and one thing that that they do is and i presume it's same for all lord ordinators is he can send like a message to azir to sort of ask for help and he said obviously they mm. send it via lightning yeah. it's almost like yeah. you know <laughs> lightning mail <laughs> click <laughs> send up it goes <laughs> and uh and and it's great and uh, you know to see if they'll answer and they mm. don't <laughs> they don't answer oh. and again it just shows Ooh. that the um well, exactly. And that's what I thought was quite interesting. The fact that they don't answer and the fact that it, because it even makes the point that they're so far stretched, i.e. the Stormcast Eternals in general, mm. so stretched across the mortal realms that they can't, they're not just a, oh, we, you know, it's not like calling the police, please come around and help. It's like, they may not answer, you know, or mm. it may not answer in time, you know, and things like that. So that was mm. another interesting little thing to happen. So uh yeah i said i i i as a as an sort of individual novel i thoroughly recommend it it really and obviously you know with robbie we know he he's mainly done 40k stuff so it's really good to mm. sort of do yeah. you know for him to do like a meaty sort of aos novel as well mm. um Absolutely. another probably one last thing to to <laughs> sort of say is when it comes to the chaos armies which and i'm not stating something that's uh that's, i'm stating something that's quite obvious is the fact that a lot of the lot of thing that Vanek has to do throughout is keeping the armies at bay with each other because obviously you've got all these war mm. bands that have been brought together and in multiple times he's having to sort of keep them ticking over because otherwise they will literally start fighting each other because if, yeah. you know a chaos army not fighting is a very unsettled chaos army <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day and he's having Fair. to basically you know a lot of the time he's and it shows how much power he's got he's basically giving his word and power to his sort of the generals under him, i.e. the, the leaders, of the mm. war bands that have come under him. And he's basically using them like, if they don't do it, I will literally flay them alive. You know, it's literally no, <laughs> there's no negotiation. It's just, or, you know, something of that equivalent. So it's, it's, uh, it's really good. And, and this, oh, another thing before I forget is that going back to his mentor and, and the other parts of the Varangard where, the, you know, spoiler, they sort of end up helping him at certain parts in the novel. Again, it feels mm. very normal. Like it's yeah. not about, you know, you've actually got parts of chaos where they respect each other enough to say, yes, you helped me six months ago i'm mm. going to come in you know you you know we've got a good allegiance with that i'm going to come in and help you and it's not just because <laughs> oh great i get to kill people as well i mean obviously yeah, that's a bonus yeah. but i you know there's actually look there's some loyalty in this as mm. well which again you may not always associate with the sort of the armies of chaos which i thought was really yeah. interesting so yeah absolutely that's uh that's sort of my <laughs> speech really on it but yeah I, yeah yeah it sounds it's like good. a cracking good read yeah. It is, honestly. It is, and it's a nice, you know, it's a nice size sort of novel. It's not horrendously big. It's sort of one you can mm. sort of manage to get through. So, yeah, I definitely recommend it. <laughs> Excellent.
Cool. Okay. Well, I think we've um, at least uh, shown more about uh, what it means to be, uh, you know, trying to impress Archeon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, right. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll take our last little break now. And then when we return, we can go, what's our favorite aspect, Warriors, and why? Back soon. <laughs> right. Time to talk aspect warriors and which ones we like. So, um, as we said earlier, you know, they're flavor of the, the month at the moment. They're getting a lot of attention <laughs> and obviously getting people very excited. And, and like we definitely said earlier, they've been around for quite a long time now. So, and mm. I think for me and, and obviously yourself, Cameron, they're very iconic when it comes to the Eldar. I mean, I, yeah. I personally think yeah. that. They're, they're one of those things, actually, saying that, that when I was hark back many moons ago to my childhood, <laughs> when young Matthew was very much into Warhammer and couldn't afford things and had loads of time on mm. his hands, and now it's the opposite mm. where he can afford it, buys it, but doesn't have the time. Um, <laughs> Aspect Warriors were always something that I just loved. I mean, I never, I never ever collected Eldar at any point, but I always like, I always thought, you know mm. what? They're really cool. I like oh, models yeah. where they're devoted to something and, they all look very mm. different because if you, you know, obviously back in the day and it's, well, I suppose the same these days, obviously with, you know, space Marines, you've got, you know, Marines that, that end up do end up looking very similar. They're just wearing, they're just using different war gear, you know, go, Oh, mm. that's a devastator. Cause they've got a heavy weapon, blah, blah, blah. Whereas obviously with the aspect warriors, they're very, they all look very different yet. They're yeah. all, you know, yeah. there for different roles. And yeah. So I always thought they're very cool. So so uh, Cameron suggested we go right. Which which aspect warriors do we like? So yeah, Cameron, mm. kick us off. Who do you like? Yeah, and why? <clears throat> uh, my favorite path of the aspects is the fire dragons. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So th- there's a little bit to this. Uh, first of all, they were the first aspect warriors I ever saw as a wee lad uh, <laughs> browsing the very very bad Games Workshop website back in the mid early 2000s sort of <laughs> era. Um, their website was not fantastic, but, uh, seeing the, these guys really popped to me and I think it's probably because they were bright, bright orange and yellow, but they were the first aspect warriors I ever saw. They made me look at the rest of the Eldar line and go, oh, cool. It's all so shiny. Uh, never got any of it, which is probably for the best. <laughs> um, but yeah, they are sort of, they're one of those things that brings me back to those, those very early days, those nostalgic early days of the hobby, you know, sitting around painting termagants looking at all the other cool things that exist <laughs> and going, oh, wow, what a creative, fun world. Um, uh, <laughs> but they, they are also, I think, the most interesting in terms of how they contrast with the traditional Eldar aspect okay, uh, yeah. or, uh, or countenance or theme, I guess, because uh, Eldar, you get a lot of ideas of finesse and, like, the careful surgical strike and floating around. And then the fire dragons, they walk down the middle of the battlefield, punch a hole in the biggest target, target there is, and then burn everything else in a 13-mile radius to death. <laughs> um, they, are, they are that sort of that brutal, uncaring aspect of warfare, which... All the other races in 40k embody with basically every unit, and the Eldar is sort of locked in specifically with the Fire Dragons, which is really yeah. cool. Um, their war gear is really interesting looking as well, because they are, again, this brutal sort of close assault unit, and they have these massive, long, spindly... They're called pikes. They're, they're, they're fire pikes as their primary weapons. 
um, but they can also carry these much shorter ranged flamers. Um, and I mean, they, they just look, they look so cool. Let me, let me find, there's <laughs> one particular photo I always come back to. Um, da, 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 find, find my, uh, my Matthew messaging area. <laughs> just yeah, send me this, this is, yeah, send you pictures. That is, that is the piece oh, of art I always good. come back to. It is so. That is very mm. good. I've never seen that, yeah. actually. Yeah. Uh, hey, fire dragons are terrifying, incidentally. Yeah. <laughs> look at that. It's just this long, thin, but like very firm looking warrior just walking through a wall of fire towards you. And it's, oh, it's so good. It's um, a mask. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, And on top of that, they are really, really important in the legend and prophecy of all the other aspects uh, because they're Phoenix Lord, Fuegan. Um, he was, of course, one of the first uh, Phoenix Lords. Uh, the only so many, obviously. Uh, but he mm-hmm. is sort of... He fulfills a role similar to um, Surtur in Norse mythology because he is the one to herald, essentially, Ragnarok. Like, yeah. when Fuegan comes back and gathers all the other Phoenix Lords, it's because it's the end of the galaxy and on top of that, you know how badass he is because the prophecy says he's also going to be the last one to die. <laughs> so, like, he gets all the other bas- badasses together, Sermon, all the other Phoenix Lords, and they're like, listen, we got to do this. This is the end of the galaxy. It's the end of the Eldari as a species. I've brought you all back together for this. And then they do that big grand last stand, and he is the last guy to go down, which is awesome. Um, and also, he just, he's got a badass loadout as well he's got a cool melter gun and then he has a big axe which is again not <laughs> something you super associate with eldar no an axe very feels true. like sort of very brutal comparison to like you know i'm used to swords and spears and sometimes i believe wraith guard can technically take axes but is that they're like the only other unit that does as far as I, <laughs> my memory is serving yeah I, I love that juxtaposition of the traditional eldari sort of smooth aesthetic with this very brutal like implication of close range overwhelming firepower um yeah they're, they're just fantastic <laughs> yeah yeah I, i'm actually um, i'm actually surprised to be honest i wouldn't think mm. That would be your pick. Um, I don't ah, know why. Well, I just, I mean, that's that's cool. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, yeah, I, would, I thought we'd I could have also said like howling banshees or something, but no, the, the fire dragons have a special place in my heart. Yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> cool. No, that's good. That's what I like. I like when we do stuff like this because it's mm. it's uh, yeah, you know, when you th- you catch me unaware. <laughs> 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 so uh, yeah, that's that's no, I, and it's funny you actually say that because I genuinely thought you would pick uh, the mm. uh, Howling Banshees, but no, that's cool, cool. Yeah, right, you. okay, and it, and good. It's not the one I picked either. <laughs> so it makes mm. it a bit more interesting <laughs> conversation. So, um, so I thought I would pick the alternative kids for the uh, for this, mm. the kids that. They really have a Phoenix Lord themselves. Um, okay. They're often they don't mix well with the other. Well, not they don't mix well, but they don't tend to mix with the other aspects. Um, mm. But they do. What is what is the coolest thing to have? Oh, let's have something so you can temporarily go in the warp and then teleport out somewhere else. So yes, yes I've picked the warp spiders <laughs> as my Excellent. aspect warrior of choice. Um, I always loved these um, and sort of even though i said earlier i didn't collect eldar back in the day i did own some warp spiders i think i just bought uh, them because 
they yeah. looked cool. Um, never <laughs> made an army out of them. But I, I think aesthetically, I love them because they're weird looking. Mm. They're very strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they've got this, obviously this huge sort of carapace sort of backpack, which obviously contains a warp, mm. you know, jump generator. I mean, jump generator is always something that will, that's a sentence or a name that yeah. will always, uh, yeah. always appeal to me. Um, I'm just sending Cameron a picture, you know, of artwork of, Ooh, you know, of a, a warp spider jumping out the warp to oh, terrorize some poor awesome. Tau warriors. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that's the epitome <laughs> of me, of, of them for me. I, I love their, 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 um, was it Exarch, isn't it? The, uh, yeah. The, you know, with the claws and every, you know, and the, the twin mm. death spinners. I mean, the death spinner, for example, it sort of, oh, yeah. it shoots out a thin filament wire bundle that uh, high, you know, high velocity and literally, you know, mm. sort of whips and cracks through the air and then tears the enemies into pieces. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is and, pretty cool. <laughs> and it's and it's actually funny because it's sort of a, a weapon that you would associate with the Eldar because they've got very, you know, I mean, like their mm. shuriken weaponry and some of their other, we- you know, other weapons are quite quirky. But it's almost like they've, they're part like you feel like they're at one point they're like a stealth unit because of the fact they can temporarily mm. go through the warp and and teleport and and such like and obviously be, be, you know behind enemy lines but they're actually more like yeah. a terror unit really because mm. as you see sort of see in that picture that I sent you it's sort of you know they they, they <laughs> just you know especially for these tau who don't even know what the warp oh, yeah. is it, poor, just, you know, <laughs> poor guys <laughs> and you know it, they jump out of the warp and then they'll fire a gun that will literally cause their you know their comrades to literally just be into little pieces you know mm, it's just yeah. terrifying um I, I like the fact that they don't have a lord really you know mm. they don't have their own phoenix lord it makes them very um you know very cool and alternative like we don't need a lord yeah. we've got you know we're, <laughs> we, we're, we've got our own group thanks you know we it, that's what i mean they're sort of they're actually similar to a degree to the primaris reavers that you get now in the mm. sense that very similar they're, yeah. they're quite a bit stealthy bit terror squad they've got their own sort of way of being they don't you know as, as i've sort of read in some of the novels that reavers don't tend to mm. mix so much with the other marines they sort of got their own thing and that is what that's what the warp spiders are like you know they mm. they tend to sort of keep themselves to themselves and just get on with their job um and this i'm so craving a new model for these even <laughs> yeah, though they still look cool in awesome. a very old way i think mm. if you took the modern sculpts you know the way the sort of theme that we're seeing with others i think the warp spiders could look absolutely amazing in a new mm. in a new sculpt and yeah i i suppose it's uh, if i'm putting it down to basics like i said i had some warp spiders and i remember at the end it like before i you know, when you get rid of stuff as a kid, I had the X arc as my as one well, mm. like you know the, you know the model. It's still it's always hanging around. You may m- yeah. get rid of stuff, yeah. you may sell some, you may give it away, and then like there's always those models that still hang around for whatever reason. Mm. And for me, it was one of those. So that's why they've always got that special place in my aspect warrior heart. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And I, I I like also the fact that they're they're based on real warp spiders in you know because mm. warp spiders are these little little um sort of uh, little creatures that sort of end up going through uh sort mm. of the wraith bone systems in craft worlds to sort of eliminate sort of psychic sort of bad psychic mm. stuff and things like that i think that's 
cool. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. uh, you know, I, I just think they're very, I like them because they're very different. I think, you know, in the sense mm. that some of the aspects, and there's no criticism to the other aspect warriors, but some of them are a bit like, like, like dire Avengers, for example, they're sort of, you know, yeah. they're pretty standard. Whereas I hmm. like, you know, I like these cause these are very different, you know, it's sort of they they I like the fact that you could imagine them having a lot of respect by from the other um aspect warriors mm. and other Eldari because you gotta remember they, they temporarily travel in you know a small oh, pocket yeah. of the warp. Mm. That's that's really exposing them. That's a brave thing to do. That's not a good thing to mm. do, really. So oh, they yeah. you know no. they they're either <laughs> maniacs or very brave or both. So and I can respect that. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> that is why i've picked the warp spiders that's fair that's awesome so, but, <laughs> I, but without sort of being you know mm. uh, boring i like them all in to a certain degree i think all the aspect oh, yeah. are very cool um mm. howling banshees would probably be my second choice because for various reasons but that's fair. yeah yep. yeah they're all cool <laughs> so yeah and i'm sure people are thinking now hey, what is my favorite aspect warrior and also actually mm. will, will we see new ones as part of you know the future I, really because i really hope it's all of them please yeah, it would be <laughs> it's nice. gotta be really at this yeah, point it, hopefully so and the thing is you gotta remember there is actually a couple of aspects that don't actually have models or have mm. never had uh, models as well um yeah. is, it, is it like crystal something i can't remember this Probably. i can't there is Probably. there's literally a couple of um actually mm. yeah crystal dragons um ah. and the ebon talons and things so mm. they you know they've never never had one you know at all so mm. you know well, you never you know we may get brand new ones like i've never been seen mm. before and uh, yeah <laughs> and also you got you also got to remember the shadow specters as well the ones that are on forge world mm. as well yeah you know, they get yeah. forgotten about so cool okay right well i think that's been our discussion topic and hopefully it's made you know you think a bit more <laughs> about that side <laughs> of the L diary um and that's going to be the the end of this episode um so mm. before we sign off uh, where can people find you on the internet cameron uh, you can find me on twitter at night underscore twitten that's night without a k uh i'm not really there much right now because it's been big borderlands three time uh but <laughs> I, I will i will return eventually um <laughs> it'll be fine uh how about yourself matthew uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at Ninja Badger Seven. Um, I start need I need to start. Like I said, I always say this every time. I need to be more active on there, and I <laughs> and I should be hopefully sooner actually. Because in all honesty, I suppose I haven't been as active on there as as, no, as I have been in the mm. past. Because most of my free time from a hobby perspective is Warhammer, so therefore I do everything yeah. on the Realm and Ruin Twitter. Whereas that's you fair. Know, <laughs> so whereas now I'm getting back into playing video games properly, watching a bit of anime and, and such like. It means I've actually got something else to non warhammer mm. to talk about on my own twitter so <laughs> hopefully that'll inspire me to do so <laughs> but uh, that's where you can find us and like i said you can find us uh, our main social media mm. thing is obviously twitter at realm and ruin um if you want to follow us so yeah. uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode episode 36 and as always we'll catch you on the next one bye Ta-ra.